I, was gonna, I have one, baby. That's you have your cup of coffee and random can of whoop ass. Or it's whatever. a Lacroix. No, <laughs> those things it's, are those things are pretty good. They're it's not, not bad. Those, it's not one of those coffee in a cans, is it? No, your Keurig, I, no, your, your Keurig makes coffee in a can. That's a Keurig. <laughs> wow. All right, so well, guys, welcome back. It's the New Blood Rising podcast, episode ninety-eight. We're getting closer, just a little bit closer to episode 100. 98, though, we're looking today at ECW slash WWE One Night Stand 2006. So, not so much a one night stand, but you get the idea. Come on. I mean, what it is what it is. It, 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 it's it's yeah. extreme, you know. <laughs> Once in a lifetime. <laughs> could, could WWE get away with call, calling a pay-per-view rebound sex? Oh, that would have been awesome. <laughs> wow. The well, walk of shame. <laughs> with, that, oh. with that handsome intro, I'm William Rinkin, joined, of course, by Jason Keesler. How's it going, folks? Charlie Stabile. Oh, good to be back. And rounding it out, calling out the pay-per-view names, that's Martin Dixon. Hello, everybody. Man, Martin, you're killing it with the art. I love it. I love your brick flair. I'm a big fan of brick yes. flair. flair. <laughs> for, for for those blissfully unaware, um, I've picked up the pens again. And if you head on over to teespring.com slash brickflare2017, because apparently someone else had this idea, you can purchase a T-shirt with a drawing of a brick dressed as Ric Flair on it. Or you have Steve Carell from Anchorman as the head, and it'd be Brickflare. <laughs> with the trident. Which I'll tell if you, you also, that... If, Oh, Sorry, ahead. if you also have a route around, there is also Bean Gene Oakland there as well. <laughs> this head kind of looks like a bean. Yeah, I never thought of that. I'll tell you guys right <laughs> off the bat. That, um, that uh, ESPN 30 for 30 for Nature Boy looks awesome. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes, it wow. does. Wow. And I, and I hope they don't hold back at all. Like, it, I want all the dirt. I like how disappointing Taker is right up front. I love it. <laughs> So this disappointing is, taker disappointing yeah i know it's disapproving i was thinking you know why i was i did the same thing yesterday at toys r us because they had an undertaker versus brock lesnar pack that was like i saw that and and it was i couldn't i didn't know what the his hair looked like he was like 2002 undertaker against lesnar and i was like huh this is strange but I, I said the same thing. I was a disappointing taker. I was like, wait a second. He's not disappointing at all. He's just disapproving at everything we do. <laughs> He's disappointed, not disappointing. Oh, yeah. this time, He's not angry. He's just disappointed. This ties into the pay-per-view. I want to say real quick. So yesterday I was having a lightsaber fight with Wyatt because we got a couple of these uh, knockoff lightsabers. They're pretty damn cool. They're pretty cool. Um, uh, we were going at it up in the... Um, the bonus room and I tripped on some random toy and I fell backwards a little bit. So I, I had my guard down with the saber and like just instinct took over. So I speared him. <laughs> <laughs> you think you know me? <laughs> I was like, man, I gored him. I gored my son just to stay alive in a fake lightsaber battle. I've seen you do that. Though. It is full on impact. <laughs> I was like, man, 
right, but it, I, I, I just, I, I wanted to save that for on air because I was like, man, that's that's pretty wild. I just all of a sudden turned into Rhino. But um, <laughs> run, Amanda, run. <laughs> <laughs> what a last show was a lot of fun. Oh five, one night stand. Oh five was a great time, not just as a pay per view to watch, but just to get together and talk about it. And I kept wondering as we watched, as I watched this one, I was like, I wonder if a the show will be will hold up to what I thought it was because I definitely remember this. I didn't not at the time when it came up, but after the fact when I saw it with you, Charlie, in the apartment. But I wondered. I was like, I wonder how much fun this one's going to be to talk about. And then and the greater the macro view of this is, does this one hold up? It is how close is this one to the 05 one overall? So I don't know. I'll be interested to see what what everyone thinks about it. But me too. Me too. We're coming at you. We're in June of 06 now. June 11th. 2006 we're once again back at the hammerstein ballroom and it looks like the crowd is about the same like crowd number wise is about the same it looked like it was a little different on the internet but at the same time we're talking maybe what's the difference of maybe 20 to 30 tickets if that it looked like a sellout and well, it sounded at, at like least, it too. at least with this one they didn't have to block off two balconies for you know jbl and kurt angle and maven and snitsky mm-hmm. No, but Jason, you you nailed it because I thought at first I was like, "Why is Rey Mysterio up in that balcony?" <laughs> yes, yes. I couldn't decide if it was with the guy that looked like uh, Stone Cold, if it was Faux Cold Steve or Stone Cold Steve Austin or Stone Clone Steve Austin, because that dude was just like, I was like, "Man, he looks like Steve Austin does now." <laughs> Things crazy. So yeah, I, I, I... is is Steve Austin a time traveler? <laughs> well, is he I wasn't going there for the for, for the real one. So. <laughs> <laughs> so I want to see what I missed. <laughs> right, that's it. Now we need to Photoshop Austin into the back of famous historical photos. I kept, I, I couldn't remember too. I was like, I wonder if Austin shows up at this one. And I remembered, I think this is around the time when things were not okay or things. I can't yeah, remember. He, you know what I mean? You guys know what I'm talking about. Like, I think this is that time period where he once again was kind of away from them because yeah, he wasn't anywhere near WWE at this point. Because wasn't the Jonathan... Remember, he was supposed to job to Coachman. He was like, I, I ain't gonna do it. And he didn't show up to the the pay-per-view or something like that. I, that's around this time, I remember. So that's why... What? Yeah, I remember, dude. They, he were was, gonna, they were gonna bring him back to wrestle and it was gonna be Coachman and he was gonna lose? Yeah, it was, it was gonna be... It was a part of some thing and I bet you had to do with Bischoff, too. He had to be roped into that. Yeah. I... I but I remember he was supposed to job to Bischoff, and he just was not obviously not happy with it. And I think we all would agree that's a dumb idea. So I think he just shrugged it off. And I, but I know they 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 get back together pretty quick because I'm pretty sure he's doing he's working together with them not too far in the future from this. So, well, what what year did the uh, Condemned come out? Well, I think that's this year too. I think it's 06. Yeah, that's what I that's what I thought. Mm-hmm. Well, to help put some time perspective on here, there's a great big see no evil sign in the crowd with a <laughs> yes. like the ghostbusters yeah. x to it i was like oh that helps put like perspective on a lot right there oh yeah may 19 so <laughs> may- before we dive into this colin did colin duff who's always been very helpful to the show did he got us some pre note some pre-show notes here and because we're we are picking up a year from where our last show was so this has to do mostly with the kind of the lead up to this show now the good thing is when you watch this pay-per-view 
it pretty much brings you up to speed with feuds. Like it does enough video packages and recaps to give you an idea of where some of these matches are coming from. But leading up to this, here we go. While 2006 did not feature Shane Douglas running any hardcore homecoming shows, the last being November Rain back in November 2005. <laughs> T TNA would make their debut at the former ECW arena on the 9th of June of 2006 with a show they called Hardcore War. Some of the old ECW fans were spotted and shown on the DVD, such as Hack Guy and his ever-present friend. Here, were the, here are the results of that show. Shark Boy pinned Simon Diamond following a diamond dust. So that's funny. He used <laughs> I'm going to take your damn finisher. I, I don't think it was, but I just <laughs> thought of that. I was like, God dang. All right. Jay Lethal pinned Sanjay Dutt with a released Dragon Suplex. Abyss pinned Brother Runt, who was Spike Dudley, in the arena-wide walk in the arena-wide walk brawl, following a black hole slam into the thumbtacks. This from of course. <laughs> during, during the match, and this is where, like, when I read this, I was like, I have to read this in the Steve Austin voice just because of the way this is written. I think this, from what Colin said, this was a copy and paste job from another site, but. During the match, they'd done the Bam Bam and Spock Spot when Abyss launched. Christ. <laughs> when Abyss launched Spike from the ring into the crowd with a gorilla press, leading to some crowd surfing. I recall Spike doing this. <laughs> I recall. I recall. I recall Spike doing this during a TNA pay-per-view where the imbeciles in the impact zone dropped Spike on his head when he returned to ringside. So then Tracy Brooks defeated Gail Kim with Christy Hemme as the referee. In typical ECW fashion, they were chanting, show your tits at all three women. In Jeff Jarrett, mayhem Jeff Jarrett's first ever match at the arena, he lost to Rhino with a gore following a failed guitar shot. Prior to the match, Rhino saved Earl Hebner. Uh, <laughs> From what? <laughs> from, he saved Hebner from chance of you got fired by telling them he got fired too, and the Hebners are good people. <laughs> here's a here's a quote for you guys. The same motherfucker that fired me last year wants to hire my ass back this fucking year. This was Rhino confirming he was offered a contract for WWE CW, but turned it down. Post-match, Rhino tells the crowd his TNA contract is up in a few weeks. He loves Heyman like a father and loves Tommy Dreamer like a brother. He admits that if Heyman and Dreamer were running the new ECW, he wouldn't give TNA a second thought. But instead, he signed with TNA anyway. So, next, Petey Williams pinned Jerry Lynn following the Canadian Destroyer. And Jerry thanks, yeah. the, fan Jerry thanks the fans afterwards. Thank you, Jerry. And what was announced as the main event, Samoa Joe defeated AJ Styles and Christopher Daniels to retain the X Division title when AJ tapped to a coquina clutch slash camel clutch type of submission hold. So you can tell that was a copy and paste from the time. Yep. In an ECW-styled impromptu main event, America's Most Wanted went to a no contest with the James Gang and Team 3D in a South Philly street fight. Whew. The match ended when the fans filled the ring with chairs and AMW and the former, uh, okay, America's Most Wanted and the former New Age Outlaws just left. Road Dog even told the fans <laughs> over the mic, you just fuck your fucked yourselves out of a hell of a match. Fuck you. <laughs> Bubba even slapped Hat Guy around the head prior to the match when he wouldn't stop shouting abuse at Billy Gunn during Bubba's promo. 
Post-match, Spike cuts a promo uh, bringing out his contract for one night, one night only, it's probably one night stand, that he received a week prior in the mail. After telling us he gave his body, his blood, and his soul to the original ECW and the WWF slash E, he asked the crowd what he should do. And then he says, screw you, Vince McMahon, screw you, Paul Heyman, and kiss my skinny white ass. And he tears the contract up in the ring. So... This little bit here, just real quick. This, the WWE version of ECW ran their own house shows for a brief period of time after One Night Stand. The first of these shows was at the former ECW Arena, then called the New Alhambra Hall on the 24th of June, 2006, with the following card. Full-blooded Italians, Little Guido and Tony Mamluk defeated Danny Doring and Roadkill. Hey! Uh, CM Punk, this young lad in his debut, defeated Stevie Richards with the Anaconda Vice. In an extreme bikini contest, Francine, with her re-debut, defeated Trinity and Kelly Kelly. Or who would become Kelly Kelly, I think. At this point, she was a singular Kelly. Just one Kelly. Um, (laughs) Francine and Trinity started to brawl, and Trinity did her trademark moonsault off the top rope onto the floor. Ouch. Francine was about to fight with Kelly, but Mike Knox showed up to protect Kelly. Balls Mahoney hit the ring, and the next match got underway, which was Mike Knox against Balls Mahoney, who he defeated. <laughs> Sabu defeated C.W. Anderson by submission. Sandman defeated Just Incredible. And then in the ring, Paul Heyman cut a promo thanking the Philly fans. He said the ECW fans had to sit through Kelly and the zombie, but at least they might have their ECW again. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> Tommy Dreamer came out and talked about Beulah and his daughter and then challenged the big show. <laughs> Priorities. Uh, big show defeated Tommy Dreamer, of course, with a choke slam through a table. <laughs> what a loser. <laughs> and then finally, ECW World, listen to this, world title match. Rob Van Dam defeated Kurt Angle to retain. Oh. D- Dean Malenko refereed the match and ended with Rob Van Dam hitting the five-star to retain the title. So it sounds like, at least from this account, that it was a clean finish, which is wild. All right. So, guys, we're back here. So let's let's kick off this one-night Sando 6. How about that TNA stuff, though? What do you guys think of that, though, real quick? Like, those guys, like, like basically shooting on WWE, you know? What do you think of it that? It was fa- fair enough, I guess. But I know kind of also shitting on TNA by saying that if Heyman and Dreamer were in charge, he'd be gone. It's like, he's basically got out and told, you know, potential <laughs> TNA audience, you are the lesser of two evils. Now, I've heard that if you watched TNA during this time, this is the best of TNA mm. is in this era. Is that right? 06, 07? Yes, because I think Dusty is booking, or I think that might be 05. Okay. It's certainly... Yeah. No, it's at the end of 06, I think, when they hire Vince Russo back, and then we get locked down 2007, which is all kinds of awful. Man. Um, Man. So, yeah, I think... I, yeah, this is... I remember this being, like, sort of peak golden age TNA. So, real quick time period-wise, we talked about where we were in 05 when it came to this stuff. Charlie, Jason, either one of you guys, like, were you guys watch, um, starting with Jason, I guess, did did you watch ECW One Night Stand, like, at the time when it came out, 06? I didn't watch this one live, um, because I was just like, eh, it's not going to be the same as last year, um, so it was kind of low on my priority list. I eventually got around to seeing it on a, like, a cassette tape someone had recorded, but it was months after it came out. I got you. Gotcha. Charlie, did you, I, 
Can't remember. Did you watch this at the time or not? Uh, no. I'd heard about it. I'd, I'd heard that, um, that, you know, I wanted to see it in a way because I wanted to see, you know, I wasn't watching wrestling at the time, but, you know, hearing that Rob Van Dam was going to fight for the title. And then when I heard he won, I mean, I was just elated. And I do think I watched at least the first 10 minutes of ECW on Sci-Fi, And I remembered why I didn't watch wrestling anymore. <laughs> Turn the channel. <laughs> we'll get to that. Yeah. Cause that's a whole nother. Yeah, oh, yeah. Exactly. Oh yeah. But, that's going to uh, be fun to talk about. No, I don't think I watched one night stand either of them until uh, we were living together yeah. in college. Yeah. yeah. And we were like, Holy crap, these are fun. You know? Yeah, definitely. I, I, I think by the end of it, and I want to see what you guys think, like if you could cherry pick both shows and create one, good show out of oh great, man one great show out of both i wonder what you guys would pick but i bet it's probably pretty obvious but let's let's get into this martin real quick did, did you say man did you watch this one at the time either uh no no i got this on dvd no. when it came out a, a few months after because okay. here hmm. here dvd you know dvd releases use tech weeks sometimes months after the actual event so when it came out over here it was bundled in with the original one night stand and barely legal mm-hmm. so i got like it's a, a, hell of a like three triple yeah, yeah. <laughs> what's not often talked about too is the wwe versus ecw show that they did like the tuesday before this which was like a second go home show in a way uh yeah for this pay-per-view that's, that, that's wow. disappeared i don't think it's even on the network it's weird. Yeah, it's there. Is it? Okay. Oh, is it? Oh, I, I, must have I found it. it this morning, yeah, because I remembered the John Cena-Sabu match. Yeah, because I think I had gone back to watch that. And we can, we can get into that later, but Sabu had some interesting things to say about John Cena as a performer um, th- that I think should be brought up. <laughs> okay, I can't wait. Yeah. All right, so let's open up this show. So they do the... We open up immediately with, uh, with Paul Heyman... The crowd is jacked to see them. He cuts a promo that hypes the relaunch of the brand. He thanks the fans because it was them, not Hammond or Vince, that made you know the revival of ECW happen. And then we see sure. our we see the first shot of a sign that I think became like was a defining crowd sign for the next so many years up until this day. So many people have aped this sign now, and it may have been used before, but this is the one that I remember the most. If Cena wins, we riot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but the difference is, I find, I truly believe that there was a possibility that that was true. Right, I agree. I think you're right. Because any other time afterwards, it's been like, eh, maybe, maybe not. But I wonder. In an alternate universe, I would have liked to have seen Cena win that match. Yeah. (laughs) Just to see what would have happened. I'll tell you guys real quick, of course, I've, we've charted this throughout season three and throughout some of the show as well. My word processor loves to tell me that things are spelled wrong. It got me right <laughs> off the bat here when I typed in Cena, because we haven't had John Cena on any of our shows. We haven't yet, really, I don't think. This is our nope. first time nope. we've had a John Cena match. Well, as soon as I put in Cena, it changed it to Xena. So I had Xena. <laughs> warrior Princess? <laughs> John Xena, Warrior Princess. <laughs> You're writing Xena more in your word processor than Cena? Apparently. (laughs) (laughs) Well, first of all, it's a word processor. (laughs) It it, it hasn't been used since Xena was on the air. It's it's crazy. Like, I was just like, wow. But anyway, I I always make a note of it because ever since Ultima Warrior. (laughs) 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 But, um... (laughs) 
They do. <laughs> and conjunct, same thing from last year too. So they go from this, uh, the, the Heyman promo, they go into the, uh, the classic kind of VCW start to a pay-per-view. Then once again, bodies is the theme of the show. Do you guys still like it as bodies? I know we kind of talked about it last show. Do you think it's cool that they're kind of keeping that in the mix? Yeah, it builds a builds a, a brand identity. Yeah, I always thought it was yeah, good. I, it's, it, I mean, it's it's a cool callback, right? I mean, at least to yeah, you know, it's I, I, prefer, I prefer the theme, right? I mean, I'll yeah. always prefer that ECW theme. And I knew if I had watched this live, I would I would have known that there would be a little bit of trouble when when Paul Heyman gives the introduction, like the voiceover form of One Night Stand. He says it's brought to you by X Men, the official game. Yes, and yeah. That is not ECW. I just what what? <laughs> ECW clearly be an X Force uh, game. You're that, right. That's what they would have. Some <laughs> either that, either that, or it's fighting trannies. That would be fantastic, though. <laughs> Bum fights the game. <laughs> would be ECW. Isn't that? Wasn't that what ECW was? Was Bum fights the game? It felt like it. Yeah. I I would buy Bum fights the game. So right off the bat, Jason, you get something that's kind of cool because this is like a kind of a nice callback in a way to where we right around when we started season three and it's with Taz and Jerry Lawler. So we go right into this thing. So walk us through this interesting way to open the pay-per-view. Sure. Taz versus Jerry Lawler. Jerry Lawler slaps Joey. Thank you, Jerry Lawler. I appreciate that. Joey jumps Lawler. Lawler goes for the pile driver. Taz locks in the Taz mission. Lawler passes out. There you go. I'm very so short. <laughs> oh, well, I know I'm, I'm saying it like that, but I mean, it was like, I thought this was kind of weird to kick off a show with this match. Yeah. Um, I mean, I get like, you know, you're just going to get these ECW fans just like rabid with something like this, but it was, um, it was just crazy how, they don't even like give Jerry Lawler a chance to cut an anti ECW promo. Um, and other than slapping Joey, which I mean, Joey sold it like he just took a chair shot, uh, which was kind of funny. And then Joey jumping Lawler was, was okay. But that was, I mean, it was very quick, very, very quick. Um, and basically a, a, an omen of things to come throughout ECW. But, uh, I mean, I would give it because of the way the fans reacted six and a half stars. Wow, hmm? not not bad, Jason. Not bad, <laughs> Charlie. What did you think of this, man? This was a this was an interesting opener. Uh, um, I think it's for what it for what it is for what it needs to be. I think it's great. Uh, it it is really funny to me still to be watching ECW and hear Jerry Lawler's music. Yeah, <laughs> like, like, it just doesn't fit. It just makes me laugh. Um. God, Joey Styles makes some jokes about Lawler's weight. Like he says, "Oh, you know, he's gonna he's gonna have it his way." You know, he makes like a Burger King joke, which is kind of clever. But at the same time, I'm you know, while he's doing all this because he makes a few more while he's doing these. I think about well, you know, Taz is kind of fat too. Yes, I thought it's, the same thing. <laughs> it's now it's now Taz with five Z's, oh. <laughs> an extra LB. <laughs> he's yeah, it's, honestly, like Jerry Lawler. Terry Lawler's always kind of been on the pudgier side, but um, but he's always been like in, in decent shape for a guy that you know that has a gut. Taz never used to look like the way he looks. I mean, how big is that shirt? Is that a three XL? The towel looks like a rag on his head. That's how. That, 
Face <laughs> Wow. <laughs> I mean, the new Taz brand voice palettes. If you look at his face, like when he's when he's sitting next to Joey, that's a lot of face. <laughs> <laughs> like it's times like that that I wish that HD and widescreen television broadcast had existed. You know, back in two thousand six, we were only a year away, but still, you know, it's just. Taz, he doesn't look his best, but uh, you know the match is fun. I, I had a good time with it. Um, there's, there's nothing special about it. It's a callback to when Lawler was in ECW originally, and also, I remember this being. Correct me if I'm wrong. This was Taz's biggest WWE feud uh, during yep. his tenure there was with Jerry Lawler, and over who gets to commentate with Jim Ross. Right, one of the stupidest feuds that they ever put on, and it really undermined Taz. Yo, but, do you remember though, man, with that feud, Lawler's pops were huge because it was the one time oh, he turned were. face for a moment. Yeah, but that just—I hated that though because they were trying to build up Taz as this kind of bully type character at the time, and I just never saw him that way. I just never saw him that way. You know, that, that Taz would pick a fight with somebody that he should easily be able to clobber. You know, it, it just—it just didn't seem right. I never liked that feud. But for this match, I do like it. I'd give this a five. Really? You give it okay, right on. Martin, how about you? What do you think? Um I think the reason this was so short, because I I, I think no question King could go, because I mean he was still wrestling after the heart attack. I think this was let's get Taz on the show. Oh, Taz doesn't want to do anything. So I think this I think it's here's here's the reason why this why this is so short. Um, as it sounds, yeah, it's fun. It just missed a Lawler promo, though. Because I get that's the, true. The, the, I get there being character. Well, I yeah. think I think because they gave JBL that promo, then why would you have two? I think that's the problem. Yeah. Is they ended up, if they wouldn't have given JBL that spot where he comes out, which is just nonsensical. We'll get to it. Whatever it is, but then Jerry Lawler, I think, would have easily done that. I that's the only reason why I think like you couldn't do both because it'd be redundant. It'd be the same promo just done by two different guys. Yeah, so, but Lawler's yeah. would have been funny. Probably would yep. have been. Oh, yeah, yeah. If well, one got to do it, he's the one who should be doing it. Right. Also, Lawler would have probably done this you know, on Raw and the, the special beforehand. But we didn't see that. The, you know, there needs, just needed to be just a, a promo package, just to bring everybody up to speed. Because, yeah. I mean, they have the footage of Lawler in 97. Just... Just a little something. As it is, I can only really give it a three. It was fine for what it is, but it was only ever going to be a few seconds. The one question I have for you guys is, why does Jerry Lawler not tap out? Why does he have to pass out? Why does he have to keep his heat? That is one of your biggest pet peeves. I hate this, because, like, like you know what I mean? I I think they think it's... <laughs> I, I, I think it's because they think it's funnier. It's it it's it's more humorous if he just completely it just passes out. Just I mean, Taz's whole thing was I'm going to make you tap, not I'm going to make you. Yeah. Right. Right. Charlie passed out. Apparently, can you finish a sentence? I didn't even hear it. He <laughs> Taz locked in. He immediately locked it in on Charlie. <laughs> <See> gone. <laughs> No, but I'm like, sure what happened there. it's just so bizarre. Like, I just don't, I don't, like, to me, like, whenever you have a guy who's just like a, playing ultra, ultra heel, and he's such a, and he's such a wuss, basically, you know, the, 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 the thing you want to see them do in the end is just tap, t- 
hysteric, like hysterically tap out, like, oh my God, no. Like that's what you want to see. You want to see them in complete and utter pain. And instead it's like, no, Jerry Lawler needs to keep his heat for whatever reason. I don't know. <laughs> hey, if, if Lawler wouldn't tap for Brett, he's not going to tap for Taz. I, get, I don't know. Maybe he's trying to keep his heat for his eventual feud with his own heart a few years later. I don't know. <laughs> oh, Jesus. I was just going to make a well, one nice a seven joke, but yeah. <laughs> Ooh. So, you know, but any, I, Martin, I'm, I, <laughs> yeah. you know, I, it's, it's extreme, but it's you know. Extreme, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know. I, I'm, I'm right. At, I'm at a four. Cause like, it, I think for that, for one move to get a four, that's, you know, they did a good job with what they had. I mean, it's, it's hard. <laughs> just pat yourself on the back. Why don't you? <laughs> <laughs> What the hell is that kind of comment? I know. I mean, you did one move, and you did. I guess I'm leaving out that Joey Styles tried to jump in the ring and jump Lawler, and that didn't work out. But you know, still, I mean, it. You did one move, and it. The way they timed it, you know, at the beginning of the show, it's not bad. Like, I mean, there's sometimes when this kind of stuff happens, and it can go on for an extra two minutes beyond this match, and still would only get a one because it'd be terrible. But four out of ten for one move, that, that's pretty damn good. So I mean, I, I, I do, even though it's a four. You know, it's it's a good spot at least for at least the crowd to get going. So wow, just one move gets a four, and Undertaker and Triple H can go for a half an hour in Hell in a Cell, and Bret Hart gives it the same rating. <laughs> well, <laughs> look, I, I'm not as angry. Okay, I'm not as angry and bitter. All right, you know. So right, <laughs> but it it'll kind of put it in perspective with the next match because I I don't know we got up next because now we've got a oh it's awesome my my spell check got me again I just noticed this. I just, but I will, but I'll tell you in a second. So, Joey then, um, Joey recaps the WWE versus ECW head-to-head show that happened earlier in the week. Their highlights of Kurt Angle leading ECW to a battle royal brawl against Raw and SmackDown. Orton appeared to eliminate Angle to win the match for Raw, but in typical Big Show fashion, he revealed himself to be a part of ECW and eliminate Orton for the ECW win. We also see uh, Cena versus Sabu highlights. Uh, Xena, Warrior Champion, locked in the FU, <laughs> but Big Show broke up the pin f- for a brawl to begin, you know, for a brawl that happened between all the different brands that were going on. So, you know, it, it's extreme. It was a fun show. But, it's um, extreme, I guess. But here's the here's where we have is we've been watching ECW pay-per-views for almost, well, almost a year at this point. And even through all those, when there was a huge clusterfuck, the match generally kept going because of the way that it's it's chaos. You know, it's like, okay, but still you're going to get some kind of bell ring. There'll be some kind of finish. The ECW rules battle royal match ends because of or ends because of a clusterfuck. Charlie, like, you, mentioned just this. you mentioned this. This was like you, this is when you start noticing that this is not going to be good. In the system here. Yeah, it's. It's not good. Um, I like. I'll, I'll I'll give him this. I think Kurt Angle was a good idea. You know, like I can buy that because not 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 just because he had a cup of coffee in ECW once, but because he, he his style fits with whatever an ECW style, whatever you want to say it is. Big Show, and not so much. No, 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 not not even no. extreme Big Show. That's gonna, yeah, uh, yeah uh, that's. That's this is like extremely neat. overweight Big Show. Right. This is the worst he's ever looked. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he re- quote unquote retired after this. Yeah. He uh, gets to ECW. We talked. I, I think Charlie, you and I off air once talked about like this is when like it, 
he tries to push himself to be like this extreme superstar and his body just can't keep up with that type of match. So he looks mm-hmm. by the end of this just like a, like, I don't know, like he's on death's door. I'll be honest. Like he looks like he's close. But anyway, um, I don't know if this is my word processor or if it was just a, a slip just when I was typing. I put jazz joins Joey a commentary. I put jazz. <laughs> Martin? It's jazz. <laughs> I don't know why, but anyway, Taz, Taz has joined Joey at commentary, which I, I'll just say just overall for me, better than Foley. way better, way yeah. better. And I don't even like Taz on commentary, but this is at least tolerable. Yes, you know, I agree. He believes because they believe. So Chuck, why don't you keep talking <laughs> right now? You got Randy Orton taking on Kurt Angle. Tell me what you think. <laughs> God, uh, this is such a, a cool match. Even though Randy Orton, he doesn't... I, I mean, honestly, he shouldn't even be on this show. Uh, not because he's not a good wrestler. Like, this is one of the things about ECW crowds I can't stand. This is back when I think Randy Orton was at his best. Was this mm-hmm. little this little time period. He's actually a great wrestler. The way he handles the crowd is very entertaining in that Randy Orton, I'm a dick kind of way. Um, I love the ankle lock sequence right at the very beginning of the match, which kind of sets up what the story of the match is, I think, which is... Kurt Angle's just trying to get that ankle lock on, and he can't quite get it. But once it's, but if he does get it, that's going to be the end of the match. Um, I do find it interesting that, and, and especially when it happens later with Big Show, why the crowd embraces Kurt Angle so much and not Randy Orton. And I, the, only, the only thing I can think of is that Randy Orton has this being chosen kind of thing going on mm-hmm. that ECW crowds just never respond to, unless it's uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin. Where, oh, this is the guy we're supposed to like? No, 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 we're not going to like him. That seems to be their one thing. Um, the, the, he gets, Orton gets a you can't wrestle chant, which, man, well, we've talked about this before. I think Randy Orton is one of the most boring people like in the history of professional <laughs> wrestling. Like, I, and, I, and this isn't just me being prudish with like Blandy Borton or whatever the hell we used to call him. But, um, <laughs> yeah, he, I mean, he is piss fuck boring. Do you remember that, that Raw he, we watched, Will? <laughs> where it was right before the commercial break, Randy Orton's going to the ring. I don't remember who he's fighting, but right as right before it goes to commercial, there's this sign that we read, and it said Randy Orton equals piss break. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I do. That's you good. remember that? Yeah. It was so funny because, in a way, it was true because it went to commercial right after we saw that sign. <laughs> um, I will say this: Orton, yeah, he's he's bland, but he doesn't really fuck up no i've always said i think he's the smoothest wrestler i've ever seen like in terms of the finesse and and what he does to pull off moves he's extremely good he's extremely Mm -hmm. good but just not exciting no god no i think he's got the best drop kick in the the business i i maybe of all time i love his drop kick well i don't know there's there's some hardcore holly fans out there that might say this is good well, I started thinking about it. I was like, who else does it well? Holly, Kofi Kingston, sometimes. Sometimes his feet just don't agree with each other and, and just go somewhere else. But uh, <laughs> his dropkicks are okay, too. But the match spends a, a good amount of time looking like a shoot. And, I mean, that's fun. I like this part of Kurt Angle. The, this, this little era of him. It doesn't last long because he's going to be in TNA soon. But I do like it. There's a bo- uh, This is deserved. I, I, I don't care. There is a boring chant. The second Randy Orton locks in a, a rear chin lock or a sleeper, you know, you, why, why would you do it? Unless you're trolling, 
I guess the only that's the only reason I, I could think of why you'd want to do that. Um, overall, though, the, I think the match was a blast. I, it was really fun to watch, even though I don't necessarily think it belonged on this show. But it really showed that Kurt Angle could wrestle with this new style of his, just being super serious. And it's great. I give this a 7.5. 7.5. Okay. Martin, how about you? Um, yeah, I mean, this is probably as far uh, from an ECW match that we're used to as you could get. This is this is a, 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 a harder-edged WWE match. But as a way of debuting Kurt Angle's style change to, to go from whatever, he, you know, what he was doing to this ultra hardcore amateur Matt wrestler. Um, it, it's great. Orton's the perfect antagonist for, uh, for this show. Um, the way he gets in the, the crowd's bad books and he got one kid, I think in the aisle way really, really gets in Orton's face. And as he's walking away, he just, he knows he's on camera, just goes punk ass motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Orton are you gets, talking? About, are you talking about the kid that punches Orton in the arm? Yes, that kid. And Or and Orton turns around and stares the kid down. Um, yeah. Yeah, I have this listed as a match in my notes. <laughs> <laughs> well, what do you give it? Well, I'll, I'll wait till it's my turn. Yeah. Um, weird thing we with a little bonus. <laughs> because Orton gets pyro, Joey takes the piss out of that, but. Immediately, I was thinking, well, what about that time Sabu got Pyro for a run-in? Yeah, he got the Undertaker treatment. Even the lights went out. Yep. <laughs> that was just me being overly picky, but the, the match itself is fabulous. Like I said, it's just... It's not an ECW match, but it's on an ECW show, so it counts. So I actually gave this an eight. Good yeah. God almighty. All right. Well, Man, I mean, that's, that's well, hot. That's hot. To go back off that, there's no weapons in this match, right? They don't use nope. weapons. No, right, and right. yet it still has an extreme kind of feel to it. It has like, a it still feels like it could be an ECW match. It has a certain rawness to it. Yeah, that's what it, that, that's the word. Mm-hmm. I agree. Um, Jason, how about you, man? Between both the matches you're talking about? <laughs> oh yes, yes. Um, well, I'll, I'll start chronologically <laughs> here. That child that punched Randy Orton in the arm when Orton like Orton just gets this look on his face. Um, and turns around and gets right in that kid's face. And I love it because when you see people do this, they start laughing their ass off and giggling and playing like, ha, ha, ha. This kid doesn't break. This kid yeah. is staring Randy Orton in the eye. Like that kid was at his house that morning just eating cereal, and Randy Orton came out of his mom's bedroom wearing his dad's robe. That's how the kid was looking at Orton. I mean, and I love Nothing it. And then when Orton. <laughs> <laughs> And the kid walks, like, when Orton goes to walk away, the kid doesn't break. The kid doesn't start laughing. It's where he, I mean, he just straight stares this motherfucker down. Um, so finally, when we get to the, the match match, oh, and that little match there, I give that a 10. You don't have to grade that. <laughs> um, so um, I like how here we are, one night stand, 06. These people are cheering Kurt Angle. We're 365 yeah. days ago. They were booing the shit out of Kurt Angle. And Kurt Angle was one of the the people up in the balcony. The uh, what were they called again? The the, the anti ECW can or Crusaders. Yeah, Crusaders. Yeah. So what a difference three hundred sixty five days make. I don't like this version of Kurt Angle's music, but I do like the fact that it doesn't get the "you suck" 
I think so, that's why it exists. Exactly. Yeah. Right? I think that's that was the sole purpose of it. It was. Mm-hmm. Um, like when one of the things that you guys were touching on about uh, about kind of how it more Martin, you said it doesn't feel like an ECW show. I look at this like this is like the Benoit Guerrero style matches. <laughs> well, I'm talking about with the. It oh, stayed, no, I'm, like, I'm just saying. Oh yeah, it stayed in the ring. 100%. There was no outside shenanigans other than Randy Orton continuing to go outside to catch his breath and get some heat, which was great. And that Kurt Angle kept it in the ring. I love the the mat wrestling that was going all throughout where Kurt Angle's just rolling this little boy over. Um, I loved it. Uh, when we finally get the ankle lock for the submission and Kurt just leaves, I like how Orton makes two people carry him out. Mm. That, that, that was is such that no, is no, really exclamation point on the match. And then turns around I need and waves. Two refs. Yeah. And he keeps waving to the fans. He goes, My yeah. fan. My fans yeah, my people. <laughs> See, he um, has a character. Like like that's why like this was my favorite era of him. Like is he just yeah, doesn't he, do this crap anymore. He turns into like his character's all on Twitter. If you follow his Twitter, ooh, it he is. is. He's like <laughs> this is <to> us. <laughs> he's, he's pretty mean. Um so he goes back to the back, and then there's the kid, straight keeping it real, just staring that motherfucker down again. I give this match eight. Oh wow! Okay. I um, I, I'm glad Jason you brought up the thing that Orton does in the beginning because I, I understand. Like I I like it when guys either go to the outside in the beginning or refuse to get in the ring. I feel like though he carries it way too long, and it makes the match slow down to a crawl at times. And then coupled with the chin lock thing, which was just either a, like if you do it once, it's fine. I think I, I think he does it a couple of times though, which is just like, dude, come on. Um, well, a couple of times he was going for that backbreaker move, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think the match is okay. I only gave it a five. I like I I think the reason. <laughs> Char- <laughs> hey Charlie, I think I, you know why they cheered him. It's the mouth guard. As soon as they saw, oh, he's got an ECW so. mouth guard. That's <laughs> it, man. That's all I needed. Some guy who protects his mouth with the letters of the company I love. Boom! Yeah, <laughs> no, it could be. No, it's it's all right though. Like, but I, th- um, uh, but I also think it's because I think Kurt Angle's a legit fighter. Yeah, the final three minutes is amazing in this match. Like, it just mm-hmm. it's all that other. It's that first like it's that first. I forget. I don't. I didn't look at how long it was, but it's that for it's that majority of the match. Where I'm like, all right, man. I'm just waiting for it to get going. The angled like just like daring him to wrestle him is kind of interesting. I will say, I like that. I like that in the middle yeah. middle portion. But it, it was weird that it was. In the middle, though, I, yeah. I mean, I've ne- never booked a match, but it just seems like the kind of thing you'd put at the beginning. Yeah, no, you're right. It, it, it usually <laughs> is like that. That sort of spot usually is. So. I'd agree, but yeah, it's it's all right. Like I said, I'd give it a five out of ten. But I loved, I do love after the match, his his bit though with uh with the crowd chanting "You tapped out" and the pussy chants and how he just plays into it beautifully. It really is a. Uh, it's very well done on his part because I think like him and Angle had been, they had been feuding for a bit leading into this because then they do the WrestleMania yeah. triple threat with Mysterio. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Mania twenty two. Yeah. Because I think if I'm not mistaken, I think Angle did he not win the belt from Mark Henry like this year, like leading up to that match? Like, didn't Angle beat him at like the Rumble or something? And some crazy, you know? Hey, why not? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was a weird. Because No Way Out 2006 is Angle Taker, which is fucking amazing, he, still. That's right. That's right. Every, every, 
I remember at the time in all the magazines I used to get, everybody was going, well, why isn't that the Mania match? Right. Yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah, I don't think I've ever seen that. Yeah. And... It's one of those, like, lost gems kind of thing. Because it's oh. on No Way Out. Right, right. That's too bad. Yeah, I'd, I'd love to see that match. So, all right. So now, after we talked about the Orton stuff after the match, which is fantastic, that leads us into Martin. We got our next match. We're going right into it. It's the FBI versus Super Crazy and Tajiri. Once again, these three guys just can't get away from each other. <laughs> They're going to wrestle each other for eternity. Yeah, even with a new company, <laughs> technically. Still the same old, same old. Um. There's very. I took very little notes for this because there is. You could just copy and paste bits of our old <laughs> podcasts into this, because um, it is again. It's just all the greatest hits. Weird seeing Tajiri rock up in hustle gear because that's who he was wrestling for at the time. Just not even bothering. Just yep. I'm just. I'm just wearing what I've got. Um. Yeah, it's. It seems a bit toned down than before because I think there is a a bit more of an emphasis on building and storylines with One Night Stand 06. I'll explain more, you know, overall show thoughts. But the pair of tarantulas was fun, funny. Um, the knockoff No Sleep Till Brooklyn that the FBI have, I think is fantastic and is an inspired choice. No. Um, the match itself is fine. I, I gave it a six, but it's it's good, but it's you know, seen it all before. The real star of the show is Extreme Big Show at the end. <laughs> <laughs> Who comes and murderizes everybody. Big Guido, little Guido. Poor, 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 poor just, Tony Mama Luke. I was going to say Greedo from Star Wars, probably. <laughs> <laughs> show shot first. <laughs> because Mama Luke becomes the first victim of the Cobra Clutch backbreaker. Fuck you move that's exactly what i wrote that's awesome that's that's the same thing i called it <laughs> it's that that is a fuckbuster that that is that is a fuckbuster so the match itself is fine it did seem a case of well, we've, we'll put these guys on the card but look here's the here's the real star of the show now and it's big show extreme big show so that takes a chase, and what'd you think, man? Back together again with these guys. What'd you think? Um, since it's this again, I kind of almost tuned out on the in-ring stuff and started really paying attention to the commentary because that was the only thing that was really significantly different. Um, that uh, Taz and Joey continue the tradition of shitting on the company they work for. Or the companies broadcasting them, like where they used to always be on the network. That well, Joey was the network, the network, and now they're both of them are just taking pot shots about WWE and all the things. Um, Taz points out one of the many, many things that was wrong with Super Crazy on SmackDown because uh, he's never did his triple moonsault spot while he was part of the Mexicals. Yeah. Um, there, I did like the top rope to the uh, camel clutch fuckbuster kick that. Guido yes. gives, uh, gives, I think it's uh, super crazy, and that starts off a hilarious little interaction between Taz and Joey coming up. So here we go. Guido is five foot seven with a size twelve feet. 
This is Joey. Do you know anybody that else that has feet like that? Taz, God bless his wife. Joey, you know she's happy. Taz, either that or walking with a limp. Joey, we're going to have, let's see, we're going to have fun on sci-fi. And then rounding off, Taz goes, it's extreme. And that's not <laughs> me making a joke. That, that's how they bleed into that, um, which is fucking hilarious. Uh, I kind of felt robbed of this match. I know it's more of the same, and we always, you know, we, we really harp on that. But there was no balcony spot. Nope. I mean, come on. You're going to give us this match. At least give us the balcony spot. That's um, kind of what I was saying. It's, it's a kind of case of, no, you guys are on second, third, however you want to pass it out. It's like, yeah. nope, staging the main. Yep, that's true. And then uh, Big Show and his big booger come out and steal the show when he throws Tony Marmaluke like 15 feet in the air and does that uh, that move that you guys described. Uh, I'd give this match a five right down the middle. Nice. Charlie, how about you? I like that this is the first like real ECW match on this card because, of course, it is. <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you, know, you know it's going to be on there, and you know it's going to come early. Like with ECW originals, um, Styles makes a, a couple of comments about super crazy um, gaining weight, and I, maybe this has something to do with the balcony spot. I was thinking because I, I I'm not sure if that would have been such a good idea. Bueno, bueno, we gordo. Maybe crazy, good. maybe crazy would have bounced. <laughs> right. Oh man, that would have been crazy. Uh, Symbolica. Joey. <laughs> <laughs> well, what was that? Was that Mexico's favorite uh, game for 345 years running? Yeah. <laughs> Bolica. Um, Joey Styles is wrong. Uh, Super Crazy and Tajiri have teamed up before. We've seen it. Yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> Only if you go through Only the shows like we have. years yes. later. Right. Yeah. I don't remember when that was, but I was like, I know these two have teamed up. Right. <laughs> which which one of us is taking that Twitter blocking? And, <laughs> and I'm sure at some You'll point sure. during that show, Joey said, these guys have never teamed up before. <laughs> <laughs> um, the, the stereo tarantula is probably my favorite spot in the whole thing. But super crazy has been in this damn move enough. <laughs> yes. like, why not master it yourself? Uh, all right, let's talk about this for a second. Who the hell is Big Guido anyway? Who is this guy? Um, he is an, an FBI affiliate. <laughs> he, yeah. He's got the credentials? Yes. He's he, an he was... <laughs> I think this is a, like a, a pre-pay-per-view sort of thing. Uh-huh. He, he was like the, the Sal. Oh, earlier? Yeah, big Sal, yeah. Well, I like it. I actually, like it. Uh, I don't mean I like Sal more, but I like that there's a little Guido and a big Guido. Like, yeah, like, that's yeah. kind of that's kind of cool. Um, uh, also, makes sense also yes. Also, there was JT Smith was a member of the FBI, who famously, you know, famously black Italian. Right, JT Smith. Right. Yeah, yeah, from Harlem, Italy. I think. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, once again, just like it made me laugh at Jerry Lawler hearing. <laughs> Watching ECW and hearing, well, <laughs> man, it's so damn funny to me. Like, if, like just like yeah, if, about... if, any, if anything says we're in Kansas anymore, it's <laughs> like there's just some wrestlers' themes you should just never hear in ECW. Like if I if I started hearing Real American, <laughs> 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 going over this big, 
Boo! <laughs> but if you if you get Talky Hogan from end of WCW, Talky oh, okay. Hardcore Hogan, that yeah, that'd be awesome. Hardcore Hogan. <laughs> <laughs> um, Jesus. Uh, so the fans like this is when I I kind of lose my uh, uh I I I don't know what the word is, but I, I I lose kind of what it is to be an ECW fan when they start cheering the Big Show. Um, I, I just. I could not figure this out. I don't know why. Unless it why was is he out there? He did that awesome move. Why is he there? I don't get it. Like he, because he kills everybody. Yes, to right. Show him off. Uh, I, I, he could be in a match. Like he's going to be one of your stars on the show, and he can't do a match. Why wasn't the match him versus uh, Big Guido? Right, like, like that. Cause, cause, that could have been a match. I mean, he comes out later to help RVD celebrate, but I guess he hates everybody in this match. So right, he's angry, Big Show, which is always funny. Right. And then he comes out in the celebratory big, big show by holding Rob Van Dam up. I'm like, well, what changed your attitude, pal? It's only been yeah. an hour and a half. He just spins the wheel backstage and whatever it lands on. Ah, oh, that's my mood. <laughs> <laughs> um, what did I give this? Yeah, I mean, same old shit. Now, I love that Cena gets the same old shit chant, but this this gets a pass. Uh, this is a five. I'm right in agreement with you guys. Like, it, it's, it's, it's all right. It's fine. I mean, it's... Um, Guido deserves better, man. He really does. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's just a shame that it's just like the the, the one thing they totally have nailed in calling back to is like, you know what? These three guys just need to keep work. These guys need to work together because, you know, it's the, yeah, it's the Cena Orton of, of ECW. Right. Yeah. Agreed. It really is. So now the crowd starts to chant. What do you rate it? What, I, what I do you it, rate it, pal? I said I gave it a five. You need to All listen. Right, you, need, you need to be listening. I just need a confirmation. <laughs> Ten four, good buddy. My 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 rating is samey. It's a samey. <laughs> it's a little samey. <laughs> I'm ready for ECW to die. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I'm ready for Chris Benoit to die. Um, no, no. Kill that son no, of a No, bitch. no, no. Don't no, say no, it, Steve. Stone, stone cold. Stone cold. <laughs> Did you, uh, Charlie, I said, I can't remember if I said, that uh, whoever used the the WWE audio for when the uh, the uh, the repeal of Obamacare got dropped by McCain and he doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> right. Because <laughs> then they're using JR. It's like, don't do it, John. Don't do it. <laughs> no. Oh, no. It's so funny. Why? <laughs> all right. So, all right. After the match here, the crowd starts to chant, fuck you, SmackDown. And we see JBL in the balcony with, as uh, Jason described, uh, what was it? What was the Rey Mysterio name you gave it? Dave Mysterio Dave, Esquire. That's it, Dave Mysterio Esquire. Folks, <laughs> <laughs> and the and the fake Stone Cold up there. He he's doing the same thing he did last year. It's the same thing. The 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 crowd chants, "You suck, Dick." You know the. And then he brings out this. He brings out the. He goes all New Day on him back in '06. It goes fruity booty, fruity booty. <laughs> I was wondering <laughs> if that was an edit. Uh, it was such a strange thing to hear come out of that idiot's mouth. I, 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 just, I was just kind of taken aback by that. He brings up the meanie incident, puts himself over, of course. He powers through the promo while the crowd is just eating him up. And he puts down Star Trek geeks. I was afraid for Jason would get upset at that line. And then anyone... Hell, I got upset at that Oh, line. God dang, you ain't got to get hot about <laughs> Charlie. it. Charlie. 
was Star, was Star Trek even on sci-fi at this point? Why you got to no. take Why are you taking away Jason's heat? Why are you doing that? <laughs> but no, I, I thought the same thing. I was like, man, that's a. Uh... Anyway, um, he put and he just putting on everybody who watches the Sci-Fi Network. He pro- proclaims that he is coming back to SmackDown to be the voice on commentary. He has a little back and forth with Taz. He says Taz can take the phone book. To him, uh, with uh, with him to Tuesday nights when he calls ECW because of course Taz is short and fat. So there we go. So that that was he also that was interesting. He also has a really good line hmm. um, when he's saying what you see on Fox News, what you see on this, what you see on my nationally syndicated radio show. I love when people. I just had this. to stop because yeah. I was like, "What we see on your nationally syndicated radio show." <laughs> <laughs> And you're I'm a wrestling, a wrestling god. god. I just don't have a grasp of how things work. <laughs> nope. <laughs> but sorry to sorry to cut in on you. No, well, no, this, no, that's, okay. that's the you end make of it. Yeah. Of, uh, you make it's fun a, of sci-fi geeks, and then you say something stupid about technology. You're gonna yeah. get got. Oh yeah, his, right. His last line is fabulous, though. Yeah, see, it's I I can't stand JBL. He is beyond annoying. But this is a solid heel promo. Oh, yeah. uh, it, it really is. He gets that crowd going. Uh, so now that brings us to... Oh, the, <sighs> you, the last line. Did you Do you not know what it was? The old kiss my ass, this show sucks. <laughs> yes, I wrote oh, it down. Oh, that's it, Wait, yeah. What is yeah. it? This show sucks. Yeah. <laughs> 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 it's really good. <laughs> JBL probably had a few cocktails in on that one again. <laughs> All right, so Jason, this match is for the world championship. Hey, so, wait a sec, wait a sec, wait a sec. The Rise and Fall of ECW book. Oh, right. Sorry, sorry. Yep, did you get an yep. ad for that? Okay. I did, yep. I did, yep. Did you know there was a book? Never. <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't know. I really, honestly, I didn't, I didn't know. I, I didn't know. I, had, I, I didn't have a clue, and it's like a... How long is that, Doc? Three hours, something like that. Yeah. Like, if, yeah. What else could? What else is in this thing? Steve <laughs> Carino, probably. Oh, no. <laughs> well, all right. Well, let's end that on a sad note. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, Jason, this match is for the world championship because since Rey Mysterio I, I, has it, we can't call it a heavyweight belt. I guess. I, I think this <laughs> is this is me, isn't it? I th- didn't you just see the line, or did you not? Or- Jason did Taz, Jerry Lawler, Charlie did Kurt Angle, Randy Orton, and then didn't you just do yep. FBI? Yep. Yes, my mistake. Sorry. Okay. I'm just making sure I have it right. Okay, okay. So, Jason, we got it. This is a major title match here. It's Sabu challenging Rey Mysterio for that the world championship. <laughs> you, you trying to take my spot at the top there, Chuck? Huh? <laughs> Come on, man. You know how paranoid people get. You're going to have me shooting my VHS home video, drinking and driving in a truck, listening to sad country music by myself. Um, so, Deborah! <laughs> <laughs> oh, God damn it! God damn it! Well, earlier, earlier when Will was reading the, um, that bit in Stone Cold's voice, I was waiting. Okay, so now that you've talked for five minutes, you got to ask a question, Stone Cold. That's how podcasts work. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> it cracks me up, man. His very offensive style of asking questions, <laughs> it's relentless. What did you do? So let me give you a 25-minute anecdote that everyone that's listened to this podcast has heard a million well, times his, before. His style How of, does that make you feel? Ask a question, 
talks about the question he asked, reiterates the question again. Like that's usually his his style. <laughs> but it's that portion in the middle where he's reiterating where like there's usually this anecdote where once again we talk about they they only thought I was a mechanic. That's all I was. I was just a mechanic. We we understand, man. We've heard it a billion times about how you were a mechanic. If I'd have known what was going to happen rest of May 17, I'd have called an audible. Oh, that one too. Oh, that's another one? Yep. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I've heard that one a million times. Oh, 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 I thought of one the other day just walking around Target. I don't smoke, oh. but if I but, uh, what is, but if I had a... Oh, what, it's the fucking one with Bret Hart from WrestleMania 13. Yes. Where he you, says he's not a smoker, but if he had a cigarette, he would have lit one up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's why I've always loved that one. <laughs> So here we are, Jay Sabu and Rey Mysterio. What do you think? Or walk us through this gem. Well, it's a it's an extreme rules match. Shouldn't all matches in ECW be extreme rules matches? <laughs> yep. Yep. That's yes. another uh, red flag that things are going to change. Um, one thing I, I do like is that uh, throughout. I mean, like we talked about before, and I like when I remember seeing this, I was like, man, Sabu for Bocce. And then going back and after we've rewatched all these pay-per-views and stuff over the last little bit, uh, someone's mic blown up. Charlie, mm-hmm. is that is that fax machine going or you okay? You back at, you back at the Keurig? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got to hit the reset button. <laughs> that would be my bad. <laughs> <laughs> My apologies. It's okay. Deborah. It just sounded like someone was rolling over a roll of bubble wrap while farting. It was just I like I was rolling over my emotions. <laughs> I was in a good place. Living with DDP. Kept a dirty room. He loved the house. Um, dark times, man. Dark times. I would watch. That's a that's a show that should put on the network. The Odd Couple with DDP and Stone Cold Steve Austin. <laughs> what what the hell's going on with all these yoga mats? <laughs> Why can't we have a regular doormat, Dallas? <laughs> Why is the key under a yoga mat? I'm a married. What is man. all this? <laughs> no, no, it would be great. We'd be cracked up in a beer. I'll tell you what I think of this goddamn yoga mat. We just press one beer on the yoga mat. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a married man. Every time I come in the living room, there's 22 year old women in the downward facing dog. I gotta go back to my room and rub one out. <laughs> I'm the rattlesnake, after all. <laughs> so, da- so Dallas, what are we having for dinner? A grilled asparagus. How about a steak? <laughs> that sounds like shit. <laughs> I'm gonna teach you how to replace your mac and cheese with cauliflower. Bang! <laughs> No, I see right here, Dallas. I'm a meat and potatoes kind of guy. I, Dude, you're going to die. I'm 52 years old. I want to hear about the time they watched a UFC event together drinking a bottle of wine. That sounds sensual, not sexual. <laughs> <laughs> Steve, I want you to be honest with me. We've had a couple of bottles of wine, and we're watching these men rub against each other. Are you erect? <laughs> That's it. All right, stop. Just yeah. go into the match. No, right. Just no, that's, not, you killed it. It's done. Them. I just want one of them to turn to the other and go, I can't believe you got such a good quality wine out of a box. <laughs> <laughs> Is that Pinot Grigio? <laughs> <laughs> 
I'll ask you again, is that Pinot Grigio? <laughs> Head over to Inside the Cellar to get your Stone Cold Steve Austin box wine. Available at all Walmart. <laughs> that right there is a quality product. I went to the clerk and I asked him, do you have a Cab Sab? He looked at me and he's like, what's a Cab Sab? I was like, you don't know what a Cab Sab is? It's a Cabernet Sauvignon. You got one of those. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> oh, so I so so called a grocery store. So we are in agreement. That was Booker T's dick, right? I, I, no, that, I think I got debuffed. That's a, that's the a shadow and or elbow print in the flower that he was covered in. Uh, who knows? Why in the world would Austin even grab a, a, a twelve pack of beer? And, and I've always wondered why he did that. It never made sense to me. Why would he grab a twelve pack of beer and just sit it on Booker T's lap, and the thing never comes back? Well, doesn't he right? open one? And he says, "Oh, shopping makes me thirsty." Yeah, he does that, but then he actually grabs the entire twelve pack as soon as we see that weird thing come out of Booker's pants. That's not his dick. <laughs> And then he places it right on his crotch, and I mean, Booker holds it for him. I mean, like, it's, I mean, dude, his dick is midnight. That's how dark it is. I mean, that thing is. <laughs> I mean, maybe it doesn't have midnight from from WCW midnight. <laughs> <laughs> the six foot two athletic black woman creeps out. Of it, it, yeah, it just comes out of the pants. Yeah. <laughs> Here, have a Budweiser. <laughs> you look thirsty. I'm going, uh, man. I, I I think it was his dick. I, I'm just saying. <laughs> Charles, in the gate. you're in the dick camp. That's where you are. I am in the di- I am in the camp of dick. <laughs> All right. What? <laughs> what? Yeah, Jay Lethal does knee brace commercials during Reign of Honor. About 15 years, we're going to have Steve Austin doing Steve Austin hearing aid commercials in the middle of Law and Order reruns. <laughs> oh, you got you, Jason. You just brought up another one. Another one. He constantly, man. I'm deaf, but if I'm in an arena and there's sixty five thousand people, one person's not doing something on the top row. I know what they're doing. I can hear them. Like he, he always talks about the one person in the arena he can hear that's booing or right. something. Favorite arena? No question. Rosemont Horizon. Great <laughs> <laughs> acoustics. Great acoustics. The acoustics. It's not the All State Arena, but it'll always be Rosemont. It's all Stone Cold. <laughs> <laughs> Back to the matter in hand. I, I, I rate that bit a 10 out of 10. That was a 10 out of 10 bit. <laughs> Thank you. Um, I, I like how I killed it and we kept on fucking. I know, man. <laughs> it, you resurrected it. It's the rise and fall of that bit. We have a one night stand of that bit. <laughs> no, what a great title. The rise and fall of that bit. <laughs> forward by Steve Carino. All right. Sabu. Versus Rey Mysterio, not Junior, Rey yeah. Mysterio. Um, we talked about how Sabu's real, or I was watching this, so like, man, Sabu's real botchy. But after going back and watching all the other pay-per-views, that's his style. He's like, and, and they do sell it like that, as far as the commentators, where he's just going to keep coming. You know, he's going to hurt himself to hurt you, uh, which is good. But he's very, very cautious in this match. Um, more so than I've ever seen him before. Of course, you know, he's been doing this now for at least 10 years, so I would be cautious too. I'm sure my body would um, Sabu goes to do a retake on the drop toehold spot. Where, and the crowd catches it, and the crowd just starts booing like crazy, which is not the first time they'll boo during the match, because mm-hmm. when Ray goes for that 619, that crowd fucking gives him each shit. 
they don't care that this Rey Mysterio used to wrestle in ECW and have good matches. It's this is still WWE super choreographed Rey Mysterio matches. Well, um, even Taz kind of shits on Ray by saying he was only in ECW for a, like a few weeks. Yeah, and he's trying to kiss their butt by putting ECW on the back of their head. Never mind yeah. Kurt Angle's ECW on their mouth guard, like we'll point out earlier. Um, that's how you get over. The, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's how you son of a bitch. So I, you put something in your mouth and you get over. Whoa. Sounds like a good time, Deborah. <laughs> Deborah, <laughs> damn it! show your. Blah, blah. Um, so, one thing that really stood out to me through this is we've got Nick Patrick refereeing a match on an ECW show. I yeah. know. <laughs> it's it weird. Was, it was like part of me just got lost and I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> it's Nick Patrick. He's um, refed in all three promotions now. Yeah, that's true. He has. Yes. Only one. Um, so, you know, they always talk about how Sabu wrestles with the one hundred, the cut that needed 100 stitches that he taped up. Um, he goes and takes that bump from the table that's on the outside of the ring, and Nick Patrick throws up the X. And I'm like, no, no, let's not have a match in an injury. Oh, little did I know um, that they were going to get worse. Sabu breaks Rey Mysterio's face on the rail guard where Mysterio is draped over, and he does the triple jump moonsault because you can hear a loud ting. Yep. which is I think, part of Rey Mysterio's cheek breaking. Um, the table spot almost kills both of them. That looked nasty. Former scraped over with the jumping DDT spot. Um, this is just, I don't know. Uh, it looked nasty, but, you know, I, I think it, I couldn't tell if this was the way they were trying to end this match so we would have a title match without a finish or what, because that doctor that comes out and goes, no, they're not going to wrestle is very, very sad. <laughs> Senator no, Lindsey Graham. Great. <laughs> no, 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 because what he says is, no, they can't fight anymore. It's over. <laughs> he sounded like Burt Reynolds' sidekick. Yeah, he sounded like Burt Reynolds' sidekick from Evening Shade. I can't remember the actor. He's that very tiny, tiny little man. Um, oh, yeah. Um, I know you're talking about. Yeah. Go ahead. Michael Jeter. Oh, oh yeah. Jeter? Oh, I thought he sounded like SpongeBob. He ain't alive. He's dead. Keep going. Oh, oh no! <laughs> the best part, best part is their necks may be broken, but do we need to get a stretcher? Nah, Nick Patrick will carry him out. Snatch <laughs> <laughs> gets a four for me. I don't know. I just wasn't really into it. Okay, Charlie. I fucking love this. But <laughs> how could you give this a four? This is fucking amazing. I did, did. This is one of the you best no contest matches I've ever seen in my life. Like, this is brutal. Like, okay, so I, I get what you're saying about Sabu, and, and this was this a work, was it not? Because during the WWE ECW uh, program that they did, he fights John Cena, but it's a non-title match. And if you've watched enough wrestling, if, and you hear a non-title match, you immediately go, oh, well, that means the, the champion's going to lose. Yeah, that's usually what that <laughs> means. But no, it, it didn't even happen that way. Uh, we, there was interference, so Sabu couldn't get any kind of victory over John Cena. Should Sabu have been able to beat Rey Mysterio? Absolutely. But And when I first saw the bump, I didn't know what to make of it. But when I saw the replays, man, they landed horribly. Like, yep. Really bad. So I, I, I do think that they got, they got fucked up somehow. But no, this thing is 100 miles an hour from the second that bell rings. And not to mention the fact, this is a dream match. 
I, I, I never knew I wanted to see this match until I saw the, the, you know, the card. And I was like, oh, I would love to see those two guys go at it. Uh, yeah, the, between the table spot, the, the seated senton table spot, Nick Patrick refing an ECW, which is just one of the strangest things to see. Um, God, I mean, it, I think this could have been the match of the night had it had a definitive finish. And this could, be, this could have been one of my favorite matches. It's so good. This is one of the last times I really liked Rey Mysterio. So yeah, I get yeah, that I, was the thing though. That's where the four came from. Is it was a dream match, and to me, it just didn't live up. I mean, that that's where I was looking at it. Well, just based on what it was, and and for how it ended, and even though it was a non-finish, we got half of a really great match with this thing. I, I just I love this to pieces. I give this a seven and a half. Nice. Okay. Right on, Martin. How about you? How do you, you are you on Charles's side, or are you more on Jason's side? Pick a side, <laughs> jackass. Come on. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> hell. That's a hell of a way to talk to someone who's a paranoid. <laughs> <laughs> Goddamn. I think he struck a nerve. <laughs> um, I'm I, I'm more on the Charlie side of things. I really liked this. I'm deeply unsure of the finish. Was it planned? Because it plays into the running narrative of Mysterio being an absolutely terrible world champion. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, he, he loses clean to Finlay. Yep. In a non-title match. That's not a good rating. Non-title match. He's not going to lose to Finlay. <laughs> no, no, he's going to lose to Finlay. Um, so, it, yeah, it is. It's... Like a, a million miles an hour right from the goal. Poor Ray's head comes in for a hell of a beating through chairs. With every time, every time it just thunders. Like the sound just echoes around the arena. It's you know, and it's like well, and Balls Mahoney supposedly the one that throws hard chairs. Um, yep. yeah, I mean Ray wearing more old school gear looks so much better than the stupid you know long pants that he wears he looked really good he looks better um, physically he looks a little better too yeah and it's yes. probably because he's on the gas that's okay <laughs> yes um and it only and... got him to 165 <laughs> <laughs> speaking of which um have you seen his son dominic recently you know mm. the remember yeah. you know, i'm your pappy yeah he's yeah a, he's a beast he's like, yeah he's he's like yeah he's as tall as john morrison yeah. Really? Yeah, because it was on uh, Lucha Underground this week. Uh, Ray was having a match with someone, and Dominic and Ray Mysterio's wife were at ringside. And part of the the thing is uh, Ray and John Morrison are going to wrestle for the title coming up. And he goes out and assaults him and pushes him. And Dominic stood up, and he was like looking him in the eyes, like, "Oh shit, maybe that yeah. was Eddie Kid." I was going to say that's the first thing that came to my mind. I thought, "Hang on, maybe maybe Eddie was right." <laughs> um, and the finish is fantastic whether or not it was supposed to be the finish i kind of think it was um but i'm no expert it's well a, a, a ref stoppage in ecw again it's another one of those little red flags um and it it kind of breeds into the whole thing that they just kind of see sabu as as like a spot monkey you know get him out there do some big shit but that's it um, but the actual visual of him DDTing Rey Mysterio through a, a suspended table is—I mean, I've never seen never seen it before, and I've 
never really seen it since. It reminds me of remember that um remember the Taz Sabu spot where it killed the camera? Like it killed the feed, like yes. the whole thing just went black. Yes. Exploded. The over the top. Yeah, that's what it reminded me of in a way. Yeah, and so way, I went the way Sabu folded. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I went for a seven on this one. It's it's a stunt show, but it's a glorious one. Yeah, I'm. I, I think the finish is planned too, and I give two reasons for it. One is because of the finish of the main event. That's going to be a controversial finish that actually has like a definitive winner. So I don't think you could have two of those. I don't think you could have both. And also the fact that it's the belt's going to be the the WWE title's going to be going to ECW. So there's no way both titles are going. Number two, there's no way they're going to put Rey Mysterio over Sabu in that building on that night. No way. No way you would. Like, I don't... No. Mysterio's... Like, I will say, his, his reaction from the crowd is better than an 05. It seems to be a little bit better. Not just because he's tempered it with, uh, you know, his attire and everything. It looks... It seems like, for the most part, like, fans are a little bit more overall on his side. But still, there's no way in hell... You're having him go over on Sabu. So they kind of were in a corner. And they did, if you were going to do kind of a, a kind of a BS finish, this was the best way to do it. It was a good yeah. spot to do it on. Because it looks nasty. It looks nasty. With the exception of, you know, we jumped Lindsey Graham doctor. You know, listen, it, it seems like you could legitimately say, like, that was a stoppage. Like, that guy's not believable. But I could believe without him at that. Yeah, absolutely, that would be worthy of a stoppage even in this type of match so i'm like right at about a six i think the action up to it is pretty good finish is what it is like i mean i know i understand why they had to do it it sucks that they had to but other than that like it's still a pretty damn good match i definitely preferred it over angle and orton so that's why i give it the bump up on it so yeah but uh it's this it does it it does not help though the mysterio title reign like i know charlie and i were talking about like you know some other WWF's championship reigns and, and that that are in like the 90s and everything like that but this is one in the 2000s that is not is is not good. It's a terrible reign for a champion and this is just one of a couple of different uh points of reference where it shows you that Mysterio's reign is just so sad when it gets right down to it, you know. Oh yeah, absolutely. All right. So with that being said, now we go to we go to a video package for this this oh, yeah. this little bit of business here. We've got for the first time since I guess like 1998, we have Mick Foley as a heel, and he is aligned <sighs> with Edge, taking on Tommy Dreamer and Terry Funk in a proper ECW Extreme Rules match. Do they call it that specifically? Do they give it a name? I forget. I can't remember. Okay. I think we just assume that they're going to kill each other. So yeah, exactly. So they give a brief recap of WrestleMania 22, the hardcore match where Foley got speared through the ropes through a flaming table. It was awesome. Um, but then he kind of flips and kind of aligns himself with Edge, and they become the co-holders of the WWE Hardcore Title. So that's back from the dead. Um, Heyman then cuts this vicious promo about Foley being a prostitute. No, really, like, like boy, he, boy, he nailed it. He did. He, <laughs> no, he did. I actually wrote it down. I was like, bravo. Yeah, yeah. Foley, Foley's promo. Like, I get it, but boy, does he think he's bigger than what he is in this promo? Wow. Yeah. Wow. And it, it does. Yeah, what does he say? What does he say in it? Yeah, I think he says he's the biggest. He was like the. Does he say specifically the biggest star in the Attitude Era, or just the biggest star ever? Period. 
I, I think he says the biggest star. I, I don't think they specifically use the word attitude era, but I think it's like you know one of the biggest stars ever kind of thing. Yeah, it's which I I get it. Play it bizarrely that sort of self-aggrandizing. <clears throat> excuse me, plays into the feud he has with Flair oh, after this. Yeah, th- this run like this 06 run for Foley is is it's fascinating, weird, and it. It unfortunately ties into like the, the most recent era of Foley that I just don't think is is favorable for him. It's just this weird period. Like when you look at where he goes after this with Melina, he's got a he's she's roped in with him. He does the flare uh, feud where they have I think two matches, and then of course Foley gets duped because that's what happens to him as well. And it, it, it's never really established. I, I'm not sure. Like I think he kind of floats back to being a face after this. I'm not sure. This there's also been talk that he had plans. He always does. He had plans for you know bigger feuds with the Edge stuff, bigger feuds with the the Flair thing. He had more that he wanted to do, but WWE kind of cut him off at the knees or whatever. It's just this weird period where it's like, boy, he really wants to get himself way over compared to even where he was. So, I don't know. I don't. I, I'm not sure how I feel about it in the end. Somebody dropped off. Who was it? It was Charles. Was not I. Chuck Stabile. Oh, oh. oh, that explains why he was quiet during that rant. <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting on some stuff. Well, God dang. Well, as he's as he's coming back, like, um, kind of talking about with you guys, like. For you guys, what do you guys think of this era Foley? Because it's not talked about a lot. Jason, what do you think of this era of him? I, I mean, I like the the idea because it had been so long of Foley being a face, and he was a face because he took bumps like the Hell in the Cell bump, and people just wanted, you know, like, man, look what that guy did to entertain me. I like him. And then having him be finally become a heel years later, saying, look what I did for you. I should be bigger than I am, so I'm going to tell you that I'm bigger than I was um, kind of thing. I like that. I liked him. I liked this run up until the whole Molina thing because the Molina thing just got really weird. Yeah, it, it does feed into kind of how he views the divas. Like, he has this weird kind of – I'm going to use the word obsession. It's probably too much, but – Kind of has this weird thing about the divas, you know what I mean? Yeah, there's a, what, well, a weird kind of affinity, isn't there? But so maybe. So Martin, how's that view? Like, how does this era fit in for you when it comes to Foley? Um, more anomaly than anything. It's it's one of those things that you you know history seems to have forgotten, and maybe rightly so because it's. It's an interesting dynamic, but in the the overall canon of Mick Foley, it is little more than a footnote. I mean, it's it's down there with his TNA stuff. Yeah. Oh God. Do you guys remember? Yeah. Was, was this really how? I know that obviously the Edge match is talked about, but I don't know how much of this era is talked about even in that most recent DVD that he had. Very little, I think. I I can't. I've only seen like bits and pieces of it, but I I think it's. Come back, you know, the match against, he has against Orton in 04, match against Edge at 06, at Mania 22, and I think that's, that's pretty much it. Because I, I just feel like they, like, if I remember the For All of Mankind or whatever, like, it, it's, 
it focuses a lot about how he was he wanted to have that one great WrestleMania match. He has it with Edge, and then it just seems to kind of move past, you know, the rest of this stuff. And I, that's why I just when we when we were getting close to the show, I was like, I'm gonna be fascinated to see how this rolls. Like if. If at the time, like a legend, because you know legends don't come back and play heel very often. They don't do that. No, it's it's you automatically get like that awesome kind of, you know, just oh we're glad to see a pop. But it's fascinating to see when they come back and play this type of role. So I don't know. I don't know. So um, this match would be Charlie's, right? This I yes, think it would. It, it, yep. And I'm trying. I'm trying to bring him back. So, but um, oh. Breathe, breathe, Charlie, breathe. I know. I don't. I don't know. I don't know what happened. Like I've been trying to bring him back this entire time. We talked about Foley. I've been trying to kill some damn time so I can bring his ass back. Vamping <laughs> like the best. Yeah. <laughs> maybe, um, maybe you know, Ringu Benoit got him. Oh. <laughs> Two, 14 days. <laughs> um, it is worth mentioning that match with Edge at Mania is really good. It's a mm-hmm. really good yep. match, and I, Jason, you're 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 a big Edge fan, right? I know you're a Jericho fan. You're a pretty big Edge fan too, right? Yeah, it was an elevating match, that's for sure. Um, and I think Foley aligning with him after the fact, I, I think it it kind of plateaued Edge for a little bit instead of raising him up. Because if he would have just beat Foley and then Foley disappeared. I think that would have been even better. Like he outcarded the hard, he out hardcore the hardcore legend. But for him to come out and go, you you beat me, I'm your buddy now. And instead of being like a whipping boy, they were presented as equals. That's kind of where I think it 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 just leveled Edge for a little bit until uh, the end of the year where he started to pick back up. The Edge stuff is fascinating because look at like look at what happens with him. Um, Look what happens with him. Like he he does that awesome cash in. Is it at, is it a New Year's Revolution? Yes. Yeah, it's after the elimination chamber. I think he cashes in there. Like and it's it's probably one of the best ever, and not just because it's a, one of the first or whatever, but it's just because like if I'm right, if you followed wrestling like show to show back then, you kind of forgot about it, right? Yep. Yeah, because he won it at Mania 21, so it was like nearly. Well, nearly a year. It was like nine months. Yeah, it's almost. I think it's. I think it's just as long as Dolph's. It's just since they did. That was when they did it at WrestleMania. Instead of having its own pay per view in June, it mm-hmm. doesn't coincide with WrestleMania like Dolph does. Um, the uh, and the thing about it is, it's like, all right. So you, you know, there, I, Edge has talked about. It. Vince tells him like, "Prove me wrong" or "Prove me right." What does he say? Is it "Prove me"? I forget what he says to him. But, be right yeah, yeah. And, and so it's this big moment and they don't even like he he loses the belt within how long like it's not two weeks i think it's something like that like because cena's got the belt going into mania to face triple h right yeah so it's it yeah uh, i think edge uh, yeah edge wins it at new year's revolution and then loses it at the rumble i think so it's he's in a weird spot. Like I feel bad for him because it's like, dude, we're gonna give you this shot. Oh wait, guess what? We gotta have it on Cena going into Mania because we got Triple H in this match. And yeah, there you go. I guess this is this all kind of fits back into once Eddie Guerrero, you know, passed away, things just got messed up. A little bit, a little bit. They were kind of scrambling a little bit. Yeah. 
Just like I feel like I am now trying to get Charlie back on the line. What I'm, <laughs> yeah, he's. I may have to hit pause. Let me hit pause and recording real quick. <laughs> he's he's stealing my gimmick. Yeah. <laughs> Constantly dropping out. Oh my out. god, yep. I've never lost the call before. Chuck, we just you know the good the, the cool thing oh, though. So yeah. while while you're away, like there are two things I want to get your opinion. Are we on. at the end? No, 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 no. We didn't we didn't do the match at all. <laughs> we didn't do the match at all because it's your match. Like this this is actually your match. So, but before we dove into it, like there are two there are a couple of interesting things to talk about. And one is this era of Foley and like how it's like I'm trying to get myself over again and what it kind of does to Edge at the same time. Like Edge just had this weird 06 up to this where he got the belt and then they took it immediately off him. So what are your opinions on both? Hold on. Man, some of that's that some of that cut in and out. I, I what the hell? Uh oh. I don't Yeah, that that was that was really weird. Is Chris Benoit coming through the, the Ringu phone thing? Is he gonna is he gonna put the crippler on you? <laughs> I think I already got it. I think I'm dead. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm dead. This episode is dedicated yeah, to the memory of Charlie Stabile. We have to do <laughs> Owen Hart voices now, guys. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, oh, so. I'm not going to go down that path. <laughs> <laughs> no. And uh, speaking of falling to your death, Luke Harper tweeted, hey. So, ask, ask me that again. Okay, first thing, now. this 2006 era of Mick Foley that seems to have kind of been forgotten in history. And then two, where Ed, like Edge is weird 2006 up to this point where he's the champ for one week and then the next week he's not. Okay, so let's talk about Mick Foley. Um, as far as I'm concerned, Mick Foley, is, he's done for me when he loses the Hell in a Cell match to Triple H. He's done. Uh, I never wanted to see him wrestle again after that. And... I, I, I remember the promos that were leading up to that, and he said, if I lose, this isn't going to be some kind of retirement where I come back like a month or two later. I'm going to stay retired. And then he came back for WrestleMania 2000 as a one-off, and I, I let that go. But then he just kept coming back. And he had that awful match at 20. He did have, I will say this, though, his match with Edge at 22 is pretty friggin' good. Yeah. And, and it helped make Edge, it, it made me look at him differently. Like, it really worked. He put Edge over, not just by losing to him, but, but you know, making him a main eventer. So, but it's, but still, I, I don't want to see Mick Foley anymore at this point. Like, because I felt like he'd gone back on his word. And I always, you know, I read Have, Have a Nice Day. Yeah. Oh, please, God, tell me you're still there. <laughs> I read Have a Nice Day. Of his word. <laughs> there we go. I, there. What? What? Yes. <laughs> no, it's it's okay, man. It kind of cut out, but I think I got your point there. Thing you were talking about, haven't I stayed the book? Right. Yeah. So you read the book, and he comes off as a very genuine person, and someone who wouldn't someone who wouldn't be like all the other wrestlers, like Ric Flair or Hulk Hogan, who would take a retirement match and then just come right back. So I didn't really care to see McFoley anymore, but. He does occasionally have a, a, a solid match. And the Edge, it, it seems like his program with Edge is where it, it always worked for him. Now, the second question about, about Edge, uh, I mean, like I said, I wasn't really watching the product at the time. So I don't, I don't really have an opinion one way or the other, uh, other than to say that uh, he, he became bigger than I ever thought he would. And I was, I was wrong about Edge because uh, I never thought he'd be a main eventer. But he turned out to be 
of like one of the big stars of the era and and I don't disagree with the choice. I mean, he he earned it. Yeah. So I it, and the, re- the reason we brought that up is because Edge has probably one of the most memorable cash-ins of all time. And yes. within a like within a few weeks, the belt is right back on John Cena so that they can set up John Cena and Triple H at WrestleMania. And it's really a bummer for Edge because it's like this that cash in is so significant and that title win is so big and it just seems to be completely diminished and it's just this whole and it and the situation just gets more weird with what happens to the next champion that we're about to meet at the end of the night so it's just a fascinating turn where then he gets he kind of gets roped back into this continued storyline with Mick Foley afterwards like you said it was a great match and it and in many ways it should have been the end of it but no we end up getting this and and God dang, pal. But so uh, go ahead go ahead and take it away. So talk about got Edge and Foley against Funk and Dreamer to start with. Um, before the match even started, I honestly thought that it would have been a better idea. But wouldn't it would have made more sense to just have Terry Funk versus Mick Foley? Yeah, that's not bad. Well, yeah. Like, why not? Like, I don't think we ever saw that match in ECW. I don't think we ever saw it. In fact, whenever it comes to like their big matches, there doesn't ever seem to be like one match that everyone points to that happened in, even in the States. I would have taken either that or Edge versus Dreamer or Edge versus uh, Funk. Yeah, something yeah. like that. Yeah, because it just seemed like that's the way it should have been. But I'll tell you, I'm extremely happy that that didn't happen because for me, this is the match of the night. <laughs> I I love this match. I I love hell. I even love Foley's promo right at the beginning where he gets Alliance Heat. Yeah, yeah. So wait, wait. You like a Tommy Dreamer match? I oh, I love this. This this might be the best match he's been in. And I mean, it has such a great build of violence. I mean, it's violence on top of violence, but it just keeps going and going, and you're finally like, well, somebody's gonna have to die here. <laughs> <laughs> Like, like it's truly going to follow our old deathmatch uh, complaint. How come nobody ever dies <laughs> in a, in a deathmatch? Um, uh, Jason, I was going to ask you this. Uh, they claim that Terry Funk is 61 years old here. Is that true? Um, I don't know, but let's see. <laughs> I, just, <laughs> I know this that used is, to be your bit. Where he would age constantly throughout the show. Yes. But they only say it like once. Um <laughs> But that's why, because so he's sixty-one oh, okay. here. I guess but I'll he, just go fuck myself. Then. <laughs> <All right. laughs> I didn't. I didn't write that down because I was also enthralled by this match, so I didn't get yep. distracted with facts. Um, also, as a quick side, um, Funk is wrestling next month. He's coming out of retirement again. What? So now he's if he's sixty-one and 06, so we're gonna have a seventy-two-year-old wrestle. Yep. <laughs> that's funny. I had no idea about that one. Tommy, I mean, Tommy Dreamer is still a pain in the ass in this thing. Um, he, he, he takes that crotch spot again. Why does he always take that? <laughs> you know, the, the one on the guardrail. Uh, eventually, the match just gets so out of hand, I actually said out loud to the television, just pin something. <laughs> 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 I mean, it just got so violent. Foley actually was on fire for a period of time. Yep. Um, right before he went through uh, that that plywood barbed wire thing, Terry Funk. I'm sorry. I mean, it's brutal. It's so brutal. 
But I couldn't stop laughing. My eye! <laughs> my God, make my eye! My eye! You gotta cut me out! <laughs> that, that, that my eye bit is awesome. And it's a good callback, so too. Do you guys remember the empty arena match with Jerry Lawler way back in Memphis? It was a, a similar yes. thing. Yep. Where he got stabbed in the eye by like a sickle or something. I forget. Like a shard of a board. I don't know. So Funk has to go away for a little while, and everyone starts chanting for Sandman, and I'm like, man, fuck that. This match is so over the top. Give me New Jack. I actually wanted New Jack. <laughs> <laughs> oh. They tricked me into wanting New Jack. <laughs> Jesus Christ, could you imagine Edge's face if he'd have heard the yeah. New Jack thing? <laughs> he'd have thrown Lita at him and ran. <laughs> um, Mick Foley is... like like. Occasionally, he he'll he shows in his later days he'll show signs of his old brilliance from like the early '90s or the mid '90s, like breaking up Mr. Sacco. He knew damn well what that would do to that crowd. Yep. <laughs> I mean, it is just booed into oblivion. I mean, it it almost eclipses the six one nine boo from last year. But uh, and then he gives it to Beulah. <laughs> yeah, it's so good. Uh, I love Edge modifying one of his moves with barbed wire he does the execution yeah but did with the damn near but with the barbed wire on Tommy's. oh it's so cool um and it's just eventually just becomes how the hell is this gonna end and sure enough <laughs> edge spears beulah and it's great because i think we've got to mention this, this becomes a six-person tag and edge spears beulah apparently you can pin uh people of other genders and he doesn't just pin her, he does that humping pin, which is just the perfect cherry on top of this extreme shit cake. I, I fucking love this match. Uh, I give this a nine. Holy shit! <laughs> <laughs> okay. So good. Martin, how about you, man? Um, yeah, this, for me, fires on all cylinders. I mean, even Edge walking to the ring after the Foley promo, just going, pointing at members of the audience, I hate you, I hate you, I hate you, and you, and you. I fucking loved it. Um, dear God, what is Lita not wearing? That, that top is five stars. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and yeah, it's, it is just this weird elevation of violence. This, this is like a traditional sort of ECW-style main event. But it has a, a, a thread or a, a seam of WWE storytelling through it. Mm-hmm. From Funk, you know, my eye and, and wandering off and coming back in his classic <laughs> thing, which wandering I always off. love. I, wandering yeah. off. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be back, you ain't fucking <laughs> <laughs> he wanders off. I love that. Um, yeah, it's it just builds on stuff. It's not a case of we'll do some crazy ass spot in the in the beginning and then the middles. Uh, it's it's laid out really really well. I mean, you get the punk ladder stuff where he does these, you know, the airplane spin. Um, yeah, then there's the boards of barbed wire. Um, uh, poor old Mick takes that ball to the face when Terry grabs him and Edge's legs when they're both going to suplex it onto Dreamer for the second time. Yeah. Edge knows to get the fuck out of Dodge and he pushes that ball towards Mick. <laughs> uh, yeah, the, the, the barbed wire board stuff is just, oh, it's 
it's wince inducing, which is kind of what you want in these kind of things. Yeah. I mean, if you if you're going into it laughing at you know comedy props, it's it's not good. This is. Uh, the, I mean, you, we get the barbed wire baseball bat. We get the barbed wire two by four. I think it's cool that Foley takes the barbed wire two by four shots because that's his thing. That was his weapon. Um. Yeah, the 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 barbed wire stuff with Dreamer and Edge, like Edge uh, Dreamer doing a cross face with barbed wire. Oh yeah. yeah, that's fucking cool. The execution with the barbed wire again. It's it just like like I said, it's just this this escalation. Um, and then yeah, basically everybody dies on the faces because <laughs> Funk and Foley go into the board and. Fucking Funk is deserves all the the plaudits for for willing to. He has an Undertaker esque moment at the end. Cut me out. Yes. <laughs> Get the wire cutter. Um, yeah, because I mean, <laughs> Dreamer gets garroted with the barbed wire, so that's him gone. And then um, Edge gives Bueller an amazing spear. Fair play to Beulah. Right. She she sold that brilliantly, and then we get the rapist pin in history. And I've got hit. I've got hit. Oh, yeah, because I mean, for a guy who had a T-shirt at the time called it, "Was It Easy and it, Being Sleazy Is Easy," <laughs> and him starting to become the rated R superstar, of course he'd do this shit. Um, and I've got here Edge and Foley end up surviving because I don't think anybody could, could be called a winner. But yeah, th- there was a, a, a structure to it. I mean, there was chaos, but it all made sense. It wasn't like all stuffed at the end. Um, so I went with an eight, but it probably is match of the night. I think it was the, the biggest surprise. Yeah. Because I was all prepared to think this is going to be a clusterfuck. And it was, but it was a good clusterfuck. Okay. Jason, how about you? This match was really, really fun. Like. Like Martin said, I was expecting, I saw Tommy Dreamer, I'm like, oh good, we're going to have 30 different run-ins of ECW legends or some kind of crazy shit, and instead, we get a well-paced, well-laid-out, well-thought-out match um, that only maybe someone went blind in, Um, so that's always (laughs) good. Um, I don't like, the one thing I don't like about it is how Beulah puts herself in the match. She goes, oh, well, let's make it a six-person, and then her and Lita really do nothing. Yeah. Um, it's Lita. I mean, I, I don't think her neck was that bad at this point. I would have, you know, maybe seen a little more offense out of her. Because um, I'm pretty sure Tommy could have, Tommy and Terry could have taken uh, Lita Moonsault or something um, that, that would have looked good. But, I mean, she did her job. She bounced around on the ring. She, like, most of the time you see the women in ECW, when the crowd starts saying their most vulgar stuff, they either ignore it or they put their hands over their ears and don't play to it. Rolita was like, yeah, yeah, give me more. You know, yeah. that's my job. I'm supposed to be, I'm supposed to be here for you to yell stuff at. Go ahead. Is that the, that's the worst you got. Um, I like how Foley for a little bit plays cowardly heel. Yeah. I forgot uh, that. Yeah. Yeah. Where he gets in where once funk gets in, he goes to leave and he just says, it's not a good idea. I don't want to be here. He tries to get out of the ring. Um, just the way that things build with, the, the barbed wire mats, the barbed wire bat, the flaming barbed wire two by four. It's just, it just keeps going. I like how we, we think we're going to get a Terry Funk moonsault and Edge says, nope, 
we're just going to push his old ass off the ladder. Um, I have it down where Edge made sure Mick Foley got 90% of that barbed wire mat when Terry Funk grabbed their legs and then pretends to sell like, oh, it hit me in the face. Um, Tommy Dreamer with his Tommy's got to get Tommy'd on the guardrail. Uh, The image of Mick Foley and Terry Funk laid out on that bed of nails is a really cool image. Like, it's just like, oh, here these two guys are. Um, while the guy that's trying to get built up is in the ring, kind of doing his thing. Uh, the, the rape pin. Okay. The rape pin is kind of uncomfortable to watch, but John Finnegan's face and John Finnegan yelling, what the hell is wrong with you while yeah. he's playing the pin. That's <laughs> the best ever. It's not even one, two, three. <laughs> what the hell is wrong with you? That, and it was that's great. like the biggest seal of approval for Edge. It's like he is too extreme for ECW. Oh, it's too extreme. Nice. Yes, it's, it's, it's too extreme. Yeah. Yeah, and so my uh, the question I have too is during the replay, Taz and Joey Styles are shitting all over Edge, um, because he speared Beulah. She put herself in the match. Yep. She's the one that put herself in the match. If if Lita would have te- like teased her into getting into the match. Maybe, but Beulah's like, let's make this uh, a sick person tag. So that was it. That's how much I like this match is. That's the only commentary I have written down, and normally I find stupid notes. Um, I give this an eight. Right. On. I'm right there. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm, I, I think you get... Go ahead, Charlie. Go ahead. God dang it. Go ahead. I was going to say, to, to piggyback off that, it's funny, yeah, because Beulah did put herself in the match. I didn't really think about this, about how, about how they kind of chastise Edge for that. But she put herself in the match, and they just get really angry at Edge about this. Uh, Tommy Dreamer used to just pile drive Francine because he thought that shit was funny, and <laughs> they they never bitched about that ever. Yeah. It's and I get it's heel and face and stuff like that, but the the continuity can be a little maddening sometimes. Yeah, because it's just like a, it's just a spear, and and when there's, Edge does two... spear, it's, it's it's cuddle time. So yeah, <laughs> they they could have played it one of two ways. Yo, chastise Edge, fair enough, or like. Uh, sort of almost applaud and go well he, you know he came to ecw and look you know he's he's got right into the spirit of things yeah yeah, yeah i'm ready to eight. Sorry, like, no 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 it's fine no, i mean i you guys pretty much hit on everything i, I mean i give it an eight the, it is if there's any match that speaks to what this show is supposed to be and like we said the same thing last year with or for last year's show 2005's one night stand it's like who really took the thing? Who who understood that this was an ECW event and brought that type of energy to their match? This this one did. You can tell they thought out some great spots. I liked what you said, Charlie. The escalation of violence, the escalation of spots. They didn't do the flaming um, barbed wire bat in the beginning. They did it at the end. It's not bad. It's a board, I think, but whatever. They do that at the end, which is great. They they build towards that. So I mean, all the stuff at the preface, like about now. Oh, I don't care for much of the Mick Foley stuff in 05. This is really, really good. And he does have a lot to do with it. So he definitely deserves it. It's fascinating how, because of the edge match, I think sometimes he had at WrestleMania, like this sometimes gets overshadowed, but it's really just as good in many ways. So I agree. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, yeah. One more thing to say, like Martin nailed it too. I think one of the reasons I like the match so much, it, it does, it's an ECW match at, through and through, but it has a WWE structure to it. And I think that's the real strong point of the match. It feels like it's booked by WWE guys, you know, booking an ECW type of match. Yeah. And, yeah, it, and it's, it's just fucking awesome. I, this I this match alone, 
Yeah, this match alone is what you kind of would want from WWE CW. Yeah. Like, to take all the stuff that made ECW great and also take some of the stuff that makes WWE so great. And there are times when WWE storytelling is absolutely phenomenal. Yes. Mm-hmm. That's a good point. Yeah. Because, and, and, and yeah, it, I was trying to think in many ways, like, if this helps set up the main event in a lot of ways, like, if it helps set it up, like, because these guys had such a, a raucous kind of affair, if it kind of gets the fans riled up, I'm not sure if I can go to that conclusion yet. It's just a damn good match, and it probably is just, in terms of a match itself, the best one on the card. I think the the thing that, we'll talk about what helps the last match in its own way get over, but that's... But for what it's worth, this one, absolutely. And I love, after, I, again, I, I'll say it again afterwards, just Terry Funk stuck in the barbed wire, and they have to, he just, just keeps yelling, just cut me out, cut me out. Yeah. It's awesome. Um, I, it, so I, I think they do another video promo for the Rise and Fall book, but I got to get that. I really want to see that at some point and see how yeah. good it is. And then we go to, I love when WWE does this. It's a title match, so we got to show the guy shadow boxing somewhere. <laughs> this is a WWE thing if there ever was one. Yeah. <laughs> Seen, was it Cena in the stairwell and RVD in a basement somewhere? Yeah. yeah. What, what was cool is you get Cena looking, staring at the title all reflectively, and then it cuts to RVD getting ready for the match. I thought yeah. that was kind of neat little like storytelling where Cena's like, oh boy, here we go again. Where our Van Damme's like, this is the match of my How life. I'm going to go yeah. to the catacombs. We've watched all these pay-per-views and not once has RVD had this type of like getting ready moment. Like he's always yeah. just sort of like, hey man, I'm just up there. Right. <laughs> Open a window, Fonzie, you know. So, all right. Martin, we're going into... Um, how do you follow that? Yeah, th- this is this is this is honestly just filler. But uh, we've got Balls Mahoney. This could have followed it. Yeah, this could have fucking followed it. Balls Mahoney and yeah. Masato Tanaka. So tell us what we got here. Yeah, we, despite Mike Awesome's, you know, match of the match of his life last time around, he wasn't called back for uh, for this show. Um, no, they left and- him hanging. Yeah. Oh God! Oh, I just got I that. Said, God damn! Oh, I said, God damn! <laughs> it's a slow burn. <laughs> it is. Sorry. Um, my, my, I, 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 after the 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 tag, oh well, the, you know, the six person match, I just kind of really checked out for this. I, I, I spend time thinking about the didgeridoo in Tanaka's entrance music. Yes. <laughs> You know, just how there's not enough didgeridoo in wrestling entrance themes. Um, there's a nice superplex uh, by Tanaka. It's short, it's brutal, it ends on a chair shot, it's four. That's really it. It's, <laughs> it for me, this this was the piss break. Yeah. yeah. Um, right. Do you really like that piss break, Charlie? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I want you to piss on my ass. Wait, wait. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, damn it. My piss break. <laughs> <laughs> My kidney stone. <laughs> All right, Jason, what do you think of this? Um, I like Balls and Tanaka matches because they are they show that Balls is more than chair shots and just, you know, the the stereotype EC double stuff like this guy can wrestle. Um, and it's really good. You don't get a super tough Tanaka chair shot spot. Like, he gets that one chair shot, and he's down. Of course, yep. that chair was 
was bent all to hell. So I don't know if Balls was just really excited that he's got a WWE contract and swung a little hard. Um, throughout the whole match, Taz and Joey are laughing and giggling at Balls's name. They never are like Joey used it's to never. So weird. So bit, that's got to be this. His name is Balls. <laughs> like that's what and he's got. from Nutley. Yeah. Oh, how, what are the odds of the guy named Balls would be from Nutley, New Jersey? Pretty good, because it's fake. Jesus Christ. Um, yeah. This match for me is, is also like it. It is just a. This is like where a a divas match used to be, between a a really good match and then your main event to kind of get people cooled off a little bit, um, which is kind of a shame because I think these guys could have done more. But you know, chair shot one two three, it gets a four. I got you. Okay. Charlie, how about you, ma'am? You know, if this was just supposed to be just kind of like the the blow off match, or, or or you know, just like a little piss break, this could have been an awesome five minute match. Like if they just went full force and went all in on it. But no, this I'm sorry, this sucks. Like Masato Tanaka, he's in the best shape I've ever seen him in here. Like he's slimmed down. He look he, like he's he's moving around the ring better. It looks looks he looks fucking great. And Balls Mahoney, I, I'm sorry, I've seen Masato Tanaka take so many chair shots through these pay-per-views. And by Mike Awesome, not even by Mike Awesome, but my, by Mike Awesome off the top rope but yeah. with a chair into Masato Tanaka's head. And Tanaka won't go down. Balls Mahoney hits him one fucking time, and it's a three-count. Fuck this match. It's a four. I have to give it a four, and a lot of the same reasons, because I, all I kept thinking was like, wow, last year he took like a billion times more punishment and he was right? in worse shape, and it was a much better <laughs> match. It, it, it sucked because it was just like, like, I have to envision, like, who came, who thought this was the finish? Like, we just, I'm just going to hit him as hard as I can with my gimmick chair, which is obviously even more gimmick than a normal chair. It'll look mangled, so that'll sell that it, it, was, a, it was a harder shot. I was like, man, this, I don't know if this was a victim of time. I have a feeling, like, I, I have a feeling this match probably was supposed to go longer, but because of where the six-man went, or the six-person one went, that it, uh, it probably caused this match to get cut short. That's the only Maybe. thing I can, I think so. Only because, like, it feels even shorter compared to matches earlier on the card. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. So, yeah I mean, I, I love that, well, I love that the Taz match is shorter, but I much very much prefer that match. Right. Because well, mm -hmm, exactly. I'm not expecting jack shit out of that. Right. Yep. Yeah. It, it, I think it's a victim of getting caught in between these two, like two very, very big, important matches. And it just sadly ended up being like just cut short on time, it feels like. But, you know, I, again, like I, I feel bad giving it a four because I like both guys, but it definitely doesn't serve either one of them. So I totally agree. So moving on with it, the video package now, we get it for our main event. RVD and John Cena. So we sh we get to see RVD winning the Money in the Bank at WrestleMania, which is also I, the. Hmm? I forgot Ric Flair was in a ladder match. It's the bump that was. I was. I was oh about yeah, to superplex from the top. Yeah, yeah. Holy shit, that thing is scary. Yeah, for a guy who doesn't take really back like a, a normal back bump to take that that superplex off there. That's I man. I think it was Matt Hardy, wasn't it? I think so. Yeah. Oh. Man, and Flair, just the, the screaming that he does as soon as he, as he hits, I believed it, absolutely. <laughs> I absolutely love the look on John Cena's face when Rob Van Dam says, I'm going to cash in at one night stand, and it looks like he shit his pants. He's just like, yeah. oh, <laughs> no, are you serious? Oh. <laughs> so to, to piggyback off that, if you notice when 
earlier this year when they started building up to Money in the Bank, and during the Money in the Bank match, they love to throw out the stats about how successful it is. And JBL says it's only been unsuccessful two times, and one time doesn't count because he the person gave them a week's notice, talking about where John Cena didn't cash in on Punk. Right. Okay. Rob Van Dam gave Cena, like, what, like a month? Oh, yeah. yeah. Tons of notice, yes. I think. And so, it was the and, first time and, that had ever happened, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think it was only the, se- only the second ever money in the bank. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. Right. And I think it's happened since, hasn't it? Uh, where someone goes, oh, well, yes, yes, it has. Uh, there was whoever it was fucked up. I think it was, uh, fuck. Um, was it Sandow? Sandow cashed, or Sandow called out Cena and cashed in right there. So Sandow did it, you know, he did it in the same way RVD did, where it's like, I'm not going to cash in like while you're having a match or after you had a match. I'm going to do it. I'm going to call you out to the ring and then cash okay. in. So, okay, that's close. That's close enough then. Well, Cena cashed in once and failed, I think. That was the punk that Justin was talking about. Yeah, that was the punk yeah. one. Yeah. And um, so, I. I this is that era too. This is where John's kind of get, you know, he's, he does some of the some of the edgy bits, but it's still morphing into what would become sort of the same old shit type of Cena, where he says, "You pissed off the wrong fire breathing son of a bitch." All right, whatever, man. I, good to know, man. That's cool. John the Dragon Cena. Dude, he comes out in steamboats. Yeah, he comes out carrying that stupid little baby. <laughs> Zena, Zena, warrior dragon. <laughs> All right, so okay, uh, Jason, walk us through the Eugene stuff as well. Just <laughs> what the hell's okay. Dinsmore doing here? So that in itself is a great tease. You just showed this huge, like five minute build up video. You've got a lot of Rob Van Dam's like most triumphant moments from ECW. You've got Cena here. You got this crowd foaming at the mouth, and then you hear Eugene's music. I started going, "Oh my God, what are they thinking? Putting out a character like Eugene in front of an ECW crowd?" Yeah. I was surprised this was actually on the network. Um, oh, I, it was. Oh, yes. Wow. Yeah. So yeah, I didn't watch version. the network, but I was wondering if they'd edit it. But that's the thing is, I don't know if they edited it. I mean, because I don't hear any R words being thrown, which I was expecting, um, and which was which was neat. Uh, Eugene comes out, and like Eugene cuts a heel promo to the yep. ECW crowd anyway. Um, so it was it, like where he said, my Uncle Eric says, I'm just as smart as an ECW fan. And I thought that was hilarious. Oh. Uh, that was like, just like, wow, he's really hitting these people. Um, and they didn't boo it, at least on this version. So I was like, maybe they are dumb and don't get it. Um, so he does this. Here comes Sandman. And this is to kick off essentially the Sandman's role in WWECW, um, where he comes out with characters that people aren't happy to see and then beats the shit out of them. The only problem is if he would have just hit Eugene once in the head and then pinned him or, or done something, that would have been fine. But that bit with Eugene on the outside begging, bleeding, oh, yeah. yeah. that was rough. I mean, like, we, you know, there's a, it's just like the character that Eugene's supposed to be in, he's just like, please, please. And I was like, oh, Jesus Christ, this is rough. Um, uh, this is one of those moments I'm glad no one walked in. See, I was just yeah. about to say that. This is precisely when the non-wrestling fan 
in your house would walk in and and just be like, "How can you watch this?" Yeah, um, and he'd be like, "Well, with what's about to happen, you know." But that that kind of sucked. I think that may have taken a little bit of the the crowd out for just a bit um, because it's time for Rob Van Dam versus John Cena, and we get this amazing crowd reaction for Cena. Um, which is an understatement of the year, how it's just boobs, a sea of boobs. But one interesting thing is throughout the whole night, Joey Styles and Taz have shit on every WWE superstar because they have pyro. And what does Rob Van Dam get? <laughs> pyro. <laughs> That's right. I mean, I think it's Rob Van Dam, but... You know, you just spent the whole night burying people for one thing, and here's this guy we're supposed to all be behind. Um, the the mini match at the beginning with John Cena versus the ECW crowd, where he throws the hat, he throws the shirt, and it keeps coming back, keeps coming back. I love it. It's like Cena's just, I'm, at some point, I'm like, just fucking stop. You're wasting too much time. Um, but when he throws the one hat thing, and I'll save this for you, Charlie, just to that guy. That is the, the the not the hat the T-shirt makes it to. That's mm-hmm. the really cements that we're about to have a really good time. Um, throughout, I, I noticed throughout the night. Don't they normally blur offensive signs in pay-per-views? Yep. Like blatantly, it's like they just didn't. There's there's the fuck John Cena. Well, wait a minute. On live broadcasts or on no. on networks? Yes, yes, they do. Mm-hmm. They don't on. Yeah. I guess they figured they would have spent a fucking fortune, so why bother? <laughs> but it's like it's all this, and it's just the the you fucking suck chance and all this all the stuff that like. Can I bring up a sign real quick? Sure. The champ is queer. <laughs> yeah, that's 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 one of the ones I was like, whoa, Jesus that's Christ! W. <laughs> um, once this match gets going, though. It, I mean, like, it's balls to the wall. It is as far as, as good. It's nowhere near as good as the, the tag match. But um, one thing I love is RVD at some point, he gets a two count. And instead of the overdramatic sell, like, oh, my God, that pit, that move that's never pinned anyone didn't pin this guy. <laughs> it, it zooms in on him. And he's like, I got more. I got more. I fucking love that. I was like, because that's like, that's a dude fighting for a belt. I yep. like, like, you know, like, why re- in react? Um, Cena uses the ropes to try to pin Rob Van. Yes. Van. Yeah. Yes. I was like, this is like there we go. This is what I want to see. Like, like in this, like Cena finally realized I need to start working heel. Um, the the five knuckle shuffle getting the six one nine boo. Yep. Um, Cena starts to do some cool things. He's not as as ring flamboyant as he got during his U.S open challenge run, but Cena could do Zangief's final atomic buster and this crowd would boo the shit out of him still. Yeah. Um, there's there's a wonderful moment where the crowd end up chanting at him, You still suck. Yeah. After after a power bomb, which is like it's it's brilliant because it's it's basically fine. You know, he's like he's actually kinda good. Yeah. Uh, John Cena getting into it with Nick Patrick, I started going, wait a minute, John Cena and Nick Patrick, the new NWO baby. That would have been, <laughs> um, but then the thing that does kind of pour water on this hot fire is eh, someone has to interfere for Rob Van Dam. It's the wraith. The wraith shows up. That's true. It's <laughs> the wraith. 
who comes in and just plants him. And the crowd, like the reveal, I, the crowd wasn't as hot as I thought they were going to be. Um, I think that the crowd would have lost their shit a lot more and they would have got a pop they wanted if, if Rob Van Dam would have beat Cena clean. Absolutely. Yeah. I think that crowd would have would have just exploded. Um, I mean, it was cool. It still kind of kept Cena and Edge's feud going. But it to me, it kind of took a half a point off. But, I mean, we get Rob Van Dam as the WWE champion, so that gives it a whole point. I'm going to give this a seven. Okay. Charlie, this is a bit – I know you like this match a lot. At least I remember you liking it a lot. So has that changed? I still you... do. Yeah. No, I still do. It's, it's, it's a good match. Um, I want to go back to Eugene for a second. Because uh, Dinsmore did an interview, uh, I think it was earlier last year, because they were using it was whenever Linda McMahon was running for office, and they were using smear campaigns against her. And one of the things that they would use a lot was any footage of Eugene, like, and in particular, the one I remember being plastered all over Fox News was Vince and Shane giving uh, Eugene a swirly, like sticking his head. <laughs> into the toilet <laughs> just, just fucking awful it was so mm-hmm. bad and dinsmore actually came out a couple of times and defended the character which i thought was was pretty cool and admirable you know it was like but you know he was saying the kind of stuff that you would say in this situation where oh it shines a light on the things that don't have light shined on them and blah blah blah, blah. you know he's just saying stupid shit and i haven't actually seen enough of the character to really form like a whole opinion on it other than the fact that I've seen this show several times, and it's absolutely disgusting uh, what what they have Sandman do to him, and the fact that the crowd's cheering it. I mean, I'm pretty. I'm, I'm, I, I like to think I'm pretty hard to offend, but there's got to be some people in that crowd that have you know retarded family members, or or maybe work in a mental health facility. Like that's it's it's a pretty big field, and to see all those people cheer for. This drunken lunatic, yeah, just beat the hell out of Eugene is just really wow. And the fact that Eugene, I'm, I think, uh, I think you said it well. Eugene actually has that comment about um, him being as smart as ECW fans. Yeah, yeah, that that doesn't back his claim at all. That that he that he portrayed the character in a positive light saying yeah. something like that because it's insulting to ECW fans simply because he's insulting retarded people. The, the best Eugene, so, the best Eugene was in. I think it was in '04. He was, but it was too. It lasted too long. That was when they actually legit had him feuding with Triple H. And yeah, that was a yeah. The only problem was it went on for too long. Like I remember, like it was okay. It was it it was good. I, I mean, he was as hot for a minute. He was like the hottest baby face ever. It felt like for a minute. Yeah, like, it, it didn't yep. last long. But it just went on. Didn't for too he? Long. Wasn't wasn't he the captain of the Survivor Series? Team I think, against evolution. I think so yeah, I think he I think might. So. Have been, yeah, wow. Eugene really? in ring, Charlie. Since as you said, you didn't get to see him. Like it was a. You're sitting there watching, going. Even then, I'm like, oh man, I don't know if they need to go down the the special needs character. But the guy wrestled his ass off, and they played up this whole story that he sat and watched wrestling, and he would emulate right. what didn't people he do. do. Everyone's finisher. Yeah, he did everyone's. Fi- I his do remember that. Like, He's like William's joke. He had like so many signatures, but they were everyone else's finishers. Mm-hmm. Rock bottom, people's <laughs> elbow. I mean, he did them all, um, which was which was kind of cool. And he just like it did go on a little too long, but it was still a little bit a little positive. But then they, of course, they killed it. Yeah, the, well, he's the got character... one line. 
Oh, go ahead, Martin. No, I was going to say the character itself wasn't like a bad idea right out of the gate because it was actually kind of sweet at times, particularly in the Triple H thing, because it was it was Evolution were manipulating him in his position as Eric Bischoff's kayfabe nephew, um, and they were you know manipulating him to get their own ends. And when he found that out, he becomes like this huge babyface. Um, yeah, and it, and it was kind of sweet. And there was a, a moment in WrestleMania 21. Uh, I was talking about it earlier, discussing because I fucking hated the whole Sandman deal. Um, that at WrestleMania 21, where um, he's been beaten up by Hassan and Divari, and Hogan comes and saves him. It's like yes, in that I moment, that. You, yeah, Eugene is all of us. It's like as a kid growing up in you know watching Hulkamania, uh, you know, you, you dream that Hulk would help you beat up your bullies. So uh, mm-hmm. it was for that for that moment we were all Eugene. <laughs> yeah, that's a good that's a good call because I do remember that that was awesome. Yeah, you know, when uh, when Hogan did that. Um, to top it off, Eugene does have one line that I thought was just hysterical when everyone was booing him, and he goes, "Oh, don't worry, I've got ten more verses." <laughs> yes, <laughs> <laughs> that's really good. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so I mean, skipping it- the intros. Uh, Go, go ahead, Martin. Just, just a quick thing. This is going to be my last point on Sandman because I mean, I, I just found it completely shit then and now. Um, it seems like it was a case of this guy because it they give him that stupid line about being you know Eric says I'm smart as as smart as an ECW fan, um, but it's it's like a case of this guy likes the kind of stuff that you like. But just because he's slightly different, you should cheer him getting verbally and physically abused by this drunk. Yeah, he seems mean-spirited. Yeah, really, really does. Yeah, and especially considering that Sandman is probably second to Rob, only to Rob Van Dam in terms of the most popular face in the company. Yeah. Um, it just it, it just doesn't feel right. Like, I think that the first thing I wrote when the Sandman came out was, this is going to be off. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you can dub this as a stepdad match. Yeah, yeah. So, so getting to the match with both of them in the ring, the shirt thing and the hat—it's one of the greatest things I've ever seen in pro wrestling. I'd never seen anything like that before, where you know they would throw the shirt back not just once, but I think it's like five times. Yeah, and I mean, and the one guy who's like in the balcony who chucks the shirt and it and it lands on the top ring rope, like. That is that is amazing. I think one guy <laughs> spits on it. One guy spits. Yeah. He gets really mad about yep. it. Yeah, he's one, one guy wipes it. his ass with it. Yep. Now th- there is uh, there is that guy that's in like the first or second row, and um, yeah, I did post on Twitter about it this morning. But I've always noticed this guy because like it's it's almost it's almost scary how how intense he is towards John Cena. Like I don't like John Cena hardly at all. Never to this degree, and I've I've always wanted to know if he if this guy worked for the if for ECW or something. He's got that pass around his neck, and it's uh, it's Rodney Hammerstein. <laughs> Christ! Well, that killed that. So let's. <laughs> it's his ballroom. <laughs> He's the new Roman Reigns. It's my ballroom. 
think Cena, I think Cena deserves a lot of credit here uh, for for being able to keep this shit together. Because uh, you can tell, that I, I really like Cena in this match. Not because he's a, he, he he becomes a better wrestler as the years go by. Here, he's still the same shit wrestler that made me turn the TV off in the first place. But the way he reacts to the audience is what I find so fascinating. Simply because he reacts. He never fucking reacts anymore. Mm. You know, nothing ever bothers him. And it, it, it's very visible that he's bothered in this match. And I love that because it makes him relatable. And that's something that I've never found John Cena to be. And something that I just, I can never get behind with him. Um, and I actually kind of feel bad for him in a way. Watching him try to do some of these moves. Like, I love when he goes to the top rope. And it's like, what the hell is he going to do? And he does this lame-ass fist to the back of Rob Van Dam. Well, that's, I think that comes, Charlie, right after they chant same old shit. And he's like, well, I'll do this instead. And it looks well, stupid. Exactly. And it's like, and this is a, and it made me think of the U.S. Open Challenge, where he ah. break out these ridiculous, stupid, dumbass fucking moves. Like, what was that move that used to drive us nuts? The stunner? The not a, it, the, well, the, the, yeah, there's the, uh, he, he didn't get all of that one. That's what, uh, that's what we always call it. He does a Canadian, remember, what, he did a Canadian destroyer. The, that's the move. Sort of. Yeah. That's the move. Yeah, he does yeah, the Cena destroyer. destroyer. But yeah. it's not, it's not a Canadian destroyer. It's like a, it's like a fucking, uh, seesaw sunset fuck you flip. <laughs> and... And it doesn't make any fucking sense whenever he did it because he would usually do it to a guy who was much smaller than him. So Cena's like riding on top of him, and the guy for some reason can can support Cena's weight. I hated that move and the springboard stunner. He doesn't break any of that shit out, but it reminded me of that when he went to that top rope, and it was like, what the fuck? And then he just drops his fist. I'm like, oh, I'm all right. So and like I said, he does deserve some credit though for putting up with some of this because man, some of these chants are brutal. Same old shits there. You still suck. Cena sucks cock. Cena fucked up. And my personal favorite, Cena swallows. Yep. There it is. Yeah. Yeah. I was waiting for that one. It's, um, it's, God. Um, what else? Oh, yeah. Jason, you brought it up. And the, I, I hated that the commentators didn't really touch on it. But Cena cheated. He tried to use the ropes to get a pinfall. Mm -hmm. And it's stuff like that. I want to see him cheat. I've always wanted to see him cheat. I want to see him do shit. I want to see him do human shit. Hogan cheated when he was a face. Yeah. Hogan was like, a like Hogan like, was I, a fucker for cheating. He was such a fucker. Like I remember watching um, one of the Coliseum home videos when I was a kid, and when I loved Hulk Hogan, loved him, and Dad would watch it with me. And and I th it might have been WrestleMania four, and Hogan runs in and hits DiBiase with that chair, and and I didn't really know what to make of it. And Dad looked at me and he goes, "See." He, even Hulk Hogan cheats. And, and it just kind of made me look at it differently because Hulk Hogan would never cheat. No, it, it adds a whole new dimension to him. And the fact that Taz nor Joey Styles really bring attention to it, I think does the, uh, Cena's character a, a huge disservice mm -hmm. because not only is he uh, back against the wall, but he's desperate. He's desperate and he needs to get out of that building alive, not just with the title, but alive. Like, it's so fucking cool. And it's, I think it's a missed opportunity. Um, I love that Rob Van Dam is one of the best bumpers of all time. Not just usually it's, it's his DDT bump, but he takes this slingshot bump into the steel chair and the turnbuckle. And the way his head goes into it, it, it just looks amazing. Like the way his hair kind of flops around. I love the ragdoll physics that he brings to his matches. Yeah. This is the only time I've ever wondered 
if there is a single fan bought ticket in the audience that was cheering for John Cena or cheering for the one guy that everyone wasn't. And it, it I mean, it, I don't, I look in the crowd. I try to see if there's somebody that's doing it. This is the only Cena match I think I've ever seen that doesn't have the let's go Cena, Cena sucks thing going. No, because you're getting Cena sucks, Cena sucks. Yeah, Cena yep. sucks, Cena. Like, it just, it is nonstop. And so the, the fact that he's able to pull off any kind of match with this kind of hazing going on is, is amazing to me. Um, I love yep. that John Cena fucking hits John Finnegan. Yeah. Yep. Like, Cena attacked a referee. He, he, gives, the, he gives the FU, because it's still the FU, to Rob Van Dam to the floor. And... And here's my biggest fucking problem with this match. Why is Edge disguised? Why? What's um, the fucking point? He's got from, the helmet on for six seconds. From what I can gather, this was like a, like a roundabout booking. I don't know how accurate this is, but I did, I did a bit of reading. Because I, I wondered why they felt the need to, to do that. Um, originally, Orton wasn't supposed to be on this show. Okay. Originally, Orton was supposed to be the man in the the helmet, and it was going to be a Cena Orton program. After that's what I could I could find. Well, that would have made more sense because what this ends up doing because this doesn't make any fucking sense. So Edge, to, to to give it some context, Edge is the number one contender for the title, so he's the next in line after Rob Van Dam's uh, cashing in the Money in the Bank. So he spears John Cena, I guess, to keep his feud alive with John Cena. But who does Edge fight at Vengeance? Rob Van Dam. Yeah. For the title. And he loses. Like, so I'm trying to work this out in my head. Did he think it would be easier to beat Rob Van Dam than John Cena? I don't know. And it's one of the worst spears through a table I've ever seen. It is literally the cuddle time spear. That <laughs> Edge takes the entire brunt of that impact, and it looks terrible. And yeah, and Edge, it's weird, too, because he takes the helmet off, and there's like two or three seconds of dead silence after he takes yeah. it off, and then the crowd reacts. Like, is that really Edge? And it's weird, too, because he was already on the card in that brutal tag match. Yeah. I've never liked that Edge interfered in this match. It's never made any fucking sense to me. <laughs> and more so the fact that he disguised himself. Like, uh, it's, I, who would he have attacked? Who would he have attacked? Who cares? I, it, it, he comes out, he spears John Cena, and never looked like he was going to attack Rob Van Dam. I just find it to be dumb. Rob Van Dam does the five-star. He can't wake up. Is it Nick Patrick? Yeah. Or is it, no, it's, yeah. Yeah. Because Cena knocked out Patrick too, I guess. And yep. for some, re for some reason he cannot. No edge edge did. And the, he, he's out. Like he is just out cold. And I hate this because it reminds me of WrestleMania nine. Paul Heyman just decides to come in the ring and make a three count. Just like Jimmy Hart. And it's, it's such an anticlimactic kind of finish. Um, I mean, it's great that Rob Van Dam wins, but you can even tell the crowd is like 75% of them are like all in, but there's like a small contingent there. that's like, what the hell? And, <laughs> and even when the announcements made that Rob Van Dam's the new world champion, it still doesn't seem real. Not because it's, it, we never thought it could happen, but that's the finish. Yeah. It's, it's also, so it, strange. It wasn't confirmed until raw. I had a feeling was gonna that I was going to, that's something I was going to bring up afterwards. Cause yeah, that's what, that's what I was saying earlier about the, the weird finish with Sabu and Ray. It's like, well, you're going to do, you're going to do a, a, you've already got one of these planned, you know, and you're going to ha actually have it finish out. So it, 
it is a bit weird. Like it is a weird thing. But uh, finish your point, Chuck. So, this is why I'm such a stickler for rules because I have a deep memory with pro wrestling. Jimmy Hart, when he made that three count at WrestleMania nine, he was not a licensed official. But for some reason, if he turned his jacket inside out, it had referee stripes. So I guess that made him a referee. And he counts the three, and the Mega Maniacs win the titles. And then the, uh, no, the decision... No, they get the, the main, oh, yeah, sorry. Well, they get, they get technically DQ'd. So. Well, that's what I'm saying. They get the three count, they get the titles, and then within two minutes, the decision's reversed. And Money Incorporated walk out with the belts. Within two fucking minutes. But here, it needs to wait till Raw, and it's Paul Heyman? Like, just making a three... I hate this shit. I really do. Because they like to think that wrestling fans don't remember this kind of stuff, but we do. We remember every time. I remember every fucking time two big fucking wrestlers went through the ring. I, I remember every single time Big Show and Brock Lesnar have gone through that ring. But they act like every time that, that, that it happens now is a new time. So, but the celebration's great. I love, like, it's weird seeing Fonzie. Charlie, uh, real quick, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think Vince McMahon counts the three in the backlash match with Rock and Austin, right? It's um, I think it's Shane. Well, Shane gets knocked out because Shane tries to, you know, just say "f you." I'm going to count it for the Rock. Oh no, 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 no! You're right because this is where this is that awful fucking storyline where they don't know. Like Vince seems like he's going with Austin, and then it over the edge. You know, the one where Owen Hart died. Vince and Shane are refing together against Undertaker and Austin, and Vince turns on Austin. Ugh, yeah. See, like this is another one. This is fucking terrible. I. I, you can't just send out another ref. It has to be Paul Heyman. It's just like a feel-good kind of thing. I don't know. It should have been but Fonzie. Yeah. Because Fonzie, been Fonzie. Was a li- Fonzie was a licensed ref. He was a licensed ref. So, yeah. That would have been so cool, and the fans would have popped so hard for that. And it's weird seeing Fonzie at the end there when it's like, man, I, if it's ECW, I want to see Rob Van Dam come out with Fonzie. Yeah. And instead, he's out there for the celebration. It was cool seeing Sonya. Uh, in the stands, and, yeah. and Rob w- was able to make it up to her. Um, it's an amazing moment for Rob Van Dam. It feels like this is tr- like it, w- the ending. The ending of the match aside, it feels like this is where we really should be ending this season uh, because we've watched Rob Van Dam since the very first show when he fought Lance Storm and voiced his displeasure with being a a last minute call up to be on the pay per view when he's the best wrestler in the company, and he always was. And it's the only time I ever remember, truly remember, the secondary title being more important than the world title by a large margin. And it's great to see him win this thing. And it's good seeing some of the other guys that come in, like Danny Doring. Like he he pops up in the ring. <laughs> yep. Um, no, I, I like Whipwreck's the match. There. Do what? Mikey Whipwreck's there. Mikey Whipwreck shows up. Yeah, it it, it is a nice little feel good moment. Although it seems it seems like it's a little undercut with. Kurt Angle and Big Show being in there, but whatever. I seeing Rob Van Dam win this thing is amazing because he was he was the guy. He was like, oh, that's my favorite wrestler, and all the guys at school would be like, I've never heard of him, you know. And and I remember one, one kid saying, what kind of stupid name is Rob Van Dam? I want to slap that fuck in the face. But um, yeah, it, this is it feels like vindication, and it's it is a good match. Ending aside, I give it a seven. Okay, Martin, how about you, man? Um, alluding to an earlier point, this felt like a harder-edged WWE match. Understandable, given you know John Cena's in there. Um, I I love the character work that Cena does here. Yes, 
it, it it's he reads the room perfectly. Yeah, when the t-shirt comes back, he he it did need to be thrown five or you know three or four times because Cena was giving the crowd what they wanted. The crowd were there to shit on John Cena. And unfortunately for for the beginning of the match, they're there exclusively to shit on John Cena and kind of forget that RVD's there. It's up to Rob to go up to Cena's face and do the thumbs, and that's when the crowd real you know kind of get back on on side because they're so preoccupied with with hurling abuse at John Cena, and Cena just takes all that abuse in huge spoonfuls and just gives them what they want. It's like yeah. Um, you know, they chant same old shit, so he tries that rather lame-looking uh, top rope, you know, punch almost. Again, he gives them something else to shit on. If by design or, you know, on the whim or whatever, or just happenstance, Cena gave the fans exactly what they wanted. A, a, a John Cena they could hate and ultimately lose to, to their guy. Um, I think for for me that's the most fascinating aspect of this match. Um, RVD is great. RVD fantastic, hell of a wrestler. Great to see him finally get his title win. For me personally, I was more interested in just watching how Cena would cope and how Cena acted. And fair play to him, he 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 played up to what the ECW fans wanted. Um, and he even managed to, to alter his style a little bit. Um, I mean, grabbing the fuck you Cena sign to punch RVD through. Yes. That, <laughs> just a, a real standout. Of all the signs he could have chosen, he chose the one that would have the hardest time getting on TV. Um, and the big shit-eating grin that plays across his face when he's going for the five-knuckle shuffle. And when it, it gets the 619 boo. It's 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 fabulous. He, it's like I said, he he reads the room perfectly, um, and Rob Van Dam does his, you know, plays his part. He, he all he needed to do was turn up and not massively fuck anything up, and and he gave the the the, the fans the feel good. The ending, yeah, I get, I get the feeling that John Cena would put RVD over. You know, like, just clean. You know, Cena the guy. I think he's that kind of good guy. I think this was a mandate of WWE booking. Yeah. I think I think that was the reason that finish happened. Just a bit of politics. Just to, to give people a reason to tune into Raw, to see if the decision would stand, how very TNA of them. You know, you've bought the pay-per-view, now what's going to happen on Impact? Um... And yeah, the, the the edge thing, like I said, I don't know if that story I told me you know is, is true, but it certainly would make sense. Um and it does take the shine off it a bit, but it's still a hell of a moment. It's just kind of ruined by history knowing what happens to Rob <laughs> down the line. Yeah, you want to talk about some of the worst world title reigns of all time. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's that's up there. Um but yeah, it's it's fabulous. I, I I went for a seven. It's it's good, um, but it, it it can't hold a candle to the to the Dreamer Funk match, and I can't believe I'm saying that about a Tommy Dreamer match. <laughs> yeah, but which by the way, Charlie, we didn't talk about. It. They do. I love that they get they do the ECW thing, and then they get they get beat up. I forget what the move is, 
but him and Beulah both do the ECW thing, and it doesn't work out. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, eat it. <laughs> uh, this match was not as good as I remember it, and I, I, it's just the match itself. I think I, this is a case where it's two guys that don't have great chemistry. They make the most of it. It's, they, they still pull off some good spots. Um, the, the, the thing, though, that, that, that still holds this match up, though, definitely is everything you guys have talked about with the crowd, the moment, and everything like that. I sometimes think when I watch it, Cena could have done more. to If he's going to lean into this, this guy just came off doing that thugonomics gimmick where he would rap and tear people up in that. So it's like this guy knows how to improv on the spot. I was, and I think it's he, part of where I come to a resolution with this, like, guy's kind of caught in a, between a rock and a hard place because he knows like kind of what he's supposed to be at this point is he's going to be mm-hmm. the face of this thing so he can't go he can't go too hard in on these people because one thing i love is later on when he would have the first rock match when he does he pulls out his version of the people's elbow like it's a great way to really antagonize the miami crowd it's a great bit but I, 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 Martin, I understand it's a political thing, but this, the same finish here is what bugs me about the CM Punk Money in the Bank finish, where it's like mm-hmm. Vince McMahon has to come out and distract John Cena, so then he gets hit with the go to sleep. And it's like, God damn it. Just let the gut, like, can we not have somebody go over him? That's why the nice vindication is when Daniel Bryan hits him clean with that knee and beats him at SummerSlam. Yep. Awesome. I, yep. Like I said, I. I like I don't know the guy, but I I kind of get the sense that he would be the guy that oh he he if you said it he would go yeah I'll put him over. Well, he put Nakamura over, which was cool just recently. That yep. was really cool. Put him over and then raised his hand and did the yep. You look at this guy; he's a hell of a wrestler, isn't he? Isn't he? Yep. yep there he is. There he is. He has my seal of approval. Right. He has my seal. Of, <laughs> I hate when Cena does that. I know, you man. Know? <laughs> Stop making it about you. Just fucking leave. Right. Right. Um, like WrestleMania 28. He didn't do it to rock, but, but what he did was he went to the apron and just sat down and thought about all the millions that he just made and how sad he was. Right. Yeah. <laughs> the five star here is amazing because it's one of those RVDs. I'm going to turn, I'm going to do a 90 yep. degree turn in midair. That's really cool to see. But um, yeah, overall, like in, in, in terms of a finish, it's a great way to end this show. And it's, uh, I, I, Charlie, what you had said is like, this is why I always, I, I know the next show we have to do, and I know how bad it is. No spoiler, or, or spoiler or not there. It's, it's a bad show. So that's why I was always like, man, it sucks because this is the way you would want to end it is with RVD getting the belt. And it's just this one moment in time and everything. But yeah, it's always the edge thing that really is the thing overall that brings this down. It's like, God dang it, man. Just because he, he had to spear him. Instead of RVD going over clean. And I do wish this was an era of RVD where we could still get the Van Daminator. Like, for real. Charlie, how do you feel? Like, this is an Extreme Rules match, and uh, there's a rope break. Like, there's a bit where RVD... I've given up on that. Okay, okay. I was going (laughs) to say... Because, like... There's... They they don't give a shit. (laughs) Um, And and we've, we've learned this over the years. You know when I first noticed this rope break thing on no DQ matches? was the old uh, THQ wrestling games. And I never understood why I would have a no-DQ match, and I, I couldn't get a rope break if I, if I made it to the ropes. Hey, man, I've got AKI, man, I, and the Crippler crossface. I want him to tap. Right. <laughs> it's like, i got to get that extra arm over there. i got to get the, my loose arm. And, and it, it used to bother me so much, but the more I thought about it, I was like, well, now, wait a minute. The, the whole reason for a DQ on the ropes is because 
you grab the ropes, you get a five count, and, and if the guy doesn't release it, you get DQ'd. So nice. if there's no DQ, then there's no rope break. It makes perfect sense. It took me a couple of years to figure it out, but then again, I was a stupid kid. I get so, why, I, I, but I get why Finnegan pulls him off because the referee, like I, I do, like the I forget what commentators when he was used to explain this. Like the referee does have discretion to be able to stop things if it has to do, you know, with the action or whatnot. I remember in classic UFC, like old UFC, where the guys would just get on the ground and hold each other sometimes for minutes upon minutes, mm-hmm. and it was not very fun to watch. Exciting. Where the ref would find, <laughs> the referee would finally have to be like, "Yo, you guys got to get up. All right, you yeah, got to get up. This sucks. Yeah, boring. Get up." So that's why, like, um, when Finnegan did that, I was like, "I well, kind of get it. I kind of because it's like nothing's happening. He's at the the ropes, and we have we're playing up this rope break thing. So I have to break this up so we can get the action bad. moving again. It's not great, but it's not bad at the same time. I agree. I still give this. I give this an eight out of ten. For the moment itself and for the crowd and all that, it still holds up. It was neat how we got a, a, a nice kind of uh, a remake or redo of this with the Money in the Bank 2011. It was the closest we've ever gotten to this moment again. So, okay. So, Chuck, I know you've got the – you're going to be doing the numbers here. I'm just going to briefly here do some um, – Stuff about uh, sort of, I guess, the Raw and the some stuff about the first ECW on Sci-Fi real quick. And then we'll dive into a little bit of that real quick. Um, this actually had fewer buys than last year's. Uh, and I don't think that's any surprise to anybody, really. It had 280,000 versus 325 from One Night Stand 05. Uh, real quick thing about Tajiri. He left WWE in 05. And he would be, this, was, this was actually his first match back. Um, since then, he moved back to Japan mainly for family reasons. His wife was unhappy not getting a driver's license in the U.S. So, uh, <laughs> but um, Velocity was canceled after this. That's too bad, right? We all are going to miss that. ECW was canceled. Terminal uh, Velocity. Uh, ECW, <laughs> ECW took its place on Sci-Fi. Velocity was at the time an online-only show in the U.S., but aired on television slash satellite channels in other countries such as the U.K. or Sky Sports. So let's talk about the Raw after real, real quick. Paul Heyman addressed the controversy of Rob Van Dam's WWE Championship win. He announced that Vince McMahon had ruled that Van Dam's championship win was official and that the WWE Championship would be rechristened as the ECW World Heavyweight Championship on the premiere of ECW on Sci-Fi. On the debut episode of ECW on uh, June 13, 2006, Heyman presented RVD with the ECW World Heavyweight Championship. Van Dam said that he opted to keep the spinner belt because he said, Hey man, this one spins. Which made him both <laughs> the uh, WWE champion and the ECW World Heavyweight champion at the same time. Edge, who was the number one contender for RVD's WWE Championship Adventures, appeared and speared Van Dam. Soon after, John Cena came through the crowd and attacked Edge, followed by a punch to Heyman before being chased out by ECW Originals. At Vengeance, RVD defeated Edge to retain the title, while Cena defeated Sabu in an extreme lumberjack. An Extreme Rules Lumberjack match. I was wondering what an Extreme Lumberjack would be. They're like eight foot tall. Their beards touch the ground. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So, so, well, well, hold on. To go back to what I said at the beginning of the episode, the thing, the the comment that Sabu had made about John Cena, I read this a few years ago, um, was that he 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 thinks very highly of John Cena, and he said something like, "Cena could have been a hardcore icon if he wanted to be." Or if WWE would allow him to be. So 
he yeah he apparently he loved working with John Cena. Like that's <laughs> that which I think is I think is very interesting. A, a guy like Sabu. Yeah, uh, that that kind of warms the cockles of my heart to know that yeah, <laughs> Sabu. Mine too. Yeah, it's just a cool little little factoid because mm. yeah, I mean you think of some of Cena's most violent matches, and man, he goes all out. Like I always think of that match he had with uh, Umaga at what was. It's Royal Rumble 07, I think. It's yes. Is he 07? It's such a great match. It's 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 it might be well other than the Money in the Bank with Punk. It might be my favorite Cena match. Cena does have a shit ton of good matches, and 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 that is one of them. That's when he really started to become, you know, John Cena. You know, like the the guy that we know now. Right. Yeah. Totally. So, yeah, just real quick, just to toss around before Charlie gets out the numbers, like each of you guys, like Jason, what are your, like, what do you talk about ECW relaunch on sci fi? What did you think of it? Um, I watched the whole first episode. Yeah. And I, I go back to when we talked about the Rise and Fall of ECW DVD and Vince McMahon talking about how he's like, my advice to Paul would have been when you go to a national audience, you have to change and adapt for a larger audience. And that's what he did to ECW when it became uh, ECW on sci-fi. Um, the only thing is, is that that for that to be your premier episode, it was absolute shit. There was the, the matches on this episode was the Sandman versus the zombie. Oh yeah. Which the zombie does uh, have the greatest promo of all time with his oh, 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 promo, which was fantastic. Um, uh, Sandman splash like, on his way to the ring. Sandman splashes a beer all over a twelve-year-old. That's another red flag. There are a lot yeah. of kids in this ECW audience. It's because, because people. Uh, well, it's, go ahead. I'm ECW, sorry. ECW was live. Was filmed live before SmackDown was taped. So that audience are there for SmackDown. Right. That's what I'm getting. They're not there for ECW. They're there for SmackDown. Um, the other match was Kurt Angle versus Justin Credible. This is Justin Credible. This is one the guy who had one of the longest ECW World Heavyweight Championship reigns of our show. Loses to Kurt Angle in like three minutes. Um, literally the whole time during the, the match, the commentators are talking about the uh, pay-per-view coming up, the WWF pay-per-view coming up. Um, then the other match was the extreme battle Royal for the number one. I don't know what an extreme battle Royal is other than Paul Heyman said, all weapons are legal where there are 20 guys and the big show or there are 10 guys, excuse me. And big show eliminates all of them, but Sabu within four minutes. So you're already saying that none of these guys are as good as big, sh like the guys that are, that are drafted from the WWE to be part of ECW. The uh, the longest match of the night was Kelly Kelly versus her bra strap. <laughs> yes. Where she's doing her strip tease because, and I'm watching this. I'm going, oh yeah. Here's another moment. Like someone's going to come in. What are you watching? Uh, wrestling. Yep. But uh, where she's doing that, and she's on the show three times. Three times she's she she teases the tease, she teases the tease again, then she comes out in front of all the twelve year olds and begins to do her awkward gyration, which I think she toned it back when she realized there were kids there. Um, and she struggles with that bra strap forever. 
Like it's it almost comical. I was like, well, if this was the something they were wanting to do, where it's like you got this ridiculous hot chick who's trying to be sexy, but she's not good at it, that would have been fun. No, just not good at what you're doing. Um, that kind of sets up the the whole pace for to me the run of ECW on Sci-Fi is it's that's a lot of very missed opportunity and a very cartoon version of ECW, and I think that's why it failed. I got gotcha. you. Okay, Chuck. Did you, you and Martin? Did you guys have anything to kind of add to the? First oh, you bet of- your ass I do. Well, good. Then go for it, pal. Oh man, I actually, I think I actually watched the first five or ten minutes of this when it originally aired because I, you know, it was ECW. I, mean, I was like, I wanted to see it. I missed ECW, and uh, I find it interesting that uh, the two major networks that ECW aired on one was for the Redneck contingent, and the other one was on the Sci-Fi Channel. It's like it, these are two niche channels that uh, that offer very specific kinds of programming, and ECW was on both of them. It's like if ECW like was resurrected a third time and ended up on the Discovery Channel or something. It, it's <laughs> it's just it's just weird that this is where they they showed up. I knew I knew it was going to be a problem almost immediately because I think it's in the first episode when they show the ECW logo. There is no barbed wire around around the letters like there used to be that's not good that's actually bad now the the zombie character i remember uh reading about the the reasoning behind this kind of character it's very simple they were on the sci-fi network and the sci-fi network apparently was uh, pressured them to introduce characters that had more of a science fiction or supernatural ben yeah they i i think the the story was that they thought they were getting the likes of undertaker kane yes boogeyman they thought that's what wrestling was right which i mean maybe they were right like like maybe in the you know that that 80s mentality where it was more cartoony and you could have characters like that or papa shango you know yes you could get something like that going papa shango would have been a fit for this thing but um no the zombies terrible it's it's up there with the Yeti. Uh, there, <laughs> D, there are DQs and countouts. Um, I do remember the Kelly Kelly thing uh, where she almost... They actually promoted that she would strip on the show. And anyone who knows anything about Cable knows that there's no way she's going to make it all the way down. But I'll tell you, I remember her coming very damn close. And I think it was on... There were these little segment shows that ECW on Sci-Fi used to have, like, I think this was Kelly's expose. Yeah. And um, I remember Matt Stryker had one called uh, Stryker's Classroom, which is very similar <laughs> to the Dean Douglas behind the, behind the scenes vignettes that they used to do back in the mid 90s. And uh, I actually, I completely forgot about this until I started doing some research. But do you remember Abraham Washington? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Well, I, I remember Tony Atlas laughing. And Abraham Washington would take up like 25 minutes of a one hour show. Right. I remember this too, and because when I think of Abraham Washington, I think of those two things, like the Abraham Washington show that he would do on ECW, and with Tony Atlas kind of laughing at him, and him being fired. And I'm trying to, I've been trying to remember why he was fired. He made it was a Kobe Bryant joke. Deal. There was a Kobe Bryant. Yes. Yeah. Because oh. his gimmick was he was a, he was a manager at ringside, but they gave him they mic'd him, and he said something like beat beat him like. Uh, Oh, you'll get to work like Kobe in a hotel room. Yeah, it was uh, it was uh, it was uh, Titus is unstoppable like Kobe Bryant in a Denver hotel room. 
Yes. Right. See, that this is it. I, f- I forgot. He was mic'd during every single one of his uh, clients' matches or whatever. And so mm-hmm. you got, to, so you had, so we had the commentary, which is brutal enough as is. And then you have to hear Abraham Washington speak through the entire match, which is just, I mean, it's like, it's basically, it's, he's, he was Jimmy Hart just on fucking steroids, you know, <laughs> with this thing. Cause the megaphone's one thing, but like to actually have to listen to this shit, or it's even like Bill Alfonso or the coach with the whistle, it's just taking it way too far. Um, I actually had to look this part up because I didn't know and I was curious. Do you guys know who the final WWE ECW world champion was? I Ezekiel do. Jackson. Yes. Ezekiel fucking Jackson. Or as uh, me and Will used to call him, Ahmed Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That, I think that's actually doing a disservice to Ahmed Johnson. Sir. It is. It is. And, and I sh- actually, uh, you're right, because you know, we, we used to make fun of Ahmed Johnson all the time, but man, I used to love that guy. And then I found out recently that they were gearing him for a main event push, and it just got derailed. And yet, dude, that, man, Ahmed Johnson was over. But um, yeah, Ezekiel Jackson, who from my memory in terms of wrestling ability or, or what he accomplished in the ring, I always remembered him as one of the worst, if not the worst intercontinental champions of all time, yes. like being absolutely stunned when he won that title. You know, just like, I guess this belt just don't mean shit anymore until honestly for me, until Cody Rhodes got it and, and, and made it interesting again. And then they didn't know what the fuck to do with him. And hopefully he'll be back sometime down the line. But um, basically, in a nutshell, what I'm trying to say is that ECW on Sci-Fi was a fucking shit show, and it's funny when you when I look back at One Night Stand 2006 with Heyman's uh, promo at the beginning, and he claims that they have a much better deal now than they did before, and hindsight truly is 2020 because yeah, you were on the you're on the air about three years longer than you were on TNN. You had WWE money backing you, but man, I would take ECW on TNN and the shitty product that that was 10 times out of 10 over whatever the hell WWE ECW was. I hated ECW on sci-fi and further reaffirmed my wrestling is dead to me phase like in the mid 2000s (laughs) because it was awful. It was so bad. And um, Paul Heyman, I think he, he had some kind of deal where he was the head booker, the head writer. But he had to funnel this shit. He had to funnel it through um, people uh, like David Kevin Dunn. Yeah, oh, okay, that's the one. Okay, and, and then finally to Vince McMahon. And ev- eventually, I mean, we'll, we'll hit on it, but he, he does not last long um, running this program. Uh, you know, I think he does it for about, I want to say, six or seven months. And ECW on Sci-Fi ran for four years and would eventually become a much better product, which is NXT. So, yeah, this sucked. And and the and I remember what was it? SmackDown versus Raw 2008 actually featured ECW in it, and it yep. was the only game to do that. That was a yep. that was a big deal to me. Uh, you know, that was kind of cool, and that's the only reason why I still have that game is because it still has a lot of ECW guys in there. Sabu, Granted, Terry that, Funk, right? It's, it's the only really- it's the only one with Sandman's in. Yep, right. Yeah, and, and it's reason enough to keep it. And although I do think it's interesting that that game came out two years after all this stuff went down, when when yeah. they they could have easily had this as in the 2007 edition, but I, I just I just don't I don't really know what they were thinking. Like there should 
there should be a rise and fall of WWE CW, as far as I'm concerned. Yes. Because what the hell were they thinking? Like, I, th- I think Vince wanted this to be like NXT became a developmental kind of thing. Like, yeah. to start new guys. Because if, as I recall over time, they eventually wipe out all of the guys, all of the old guys, and in with the new guys, and they all suck. They all fucking suck, except CM Punk. He's the well, only John, one. The Miz. Do what? The Miz got a real yeah, big. No, no, I, I'm talking about no, 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 no. I'm talking about guys that fit under an ECW uh, umbrella. Ah, uh, yeah. Uh, like CM Punk, I truly believe could have been a star in ECW, like in the mid '90s. Like he had, he just had that style. Now, Miz, I love Miz, but he's not an ECW guy. Like you never that, that that's that's fucking stupid. He he was able to make his name sticking it out in WWE and becoming probably one of the best Intercontinental Champions of the last decade. Um, but you know, it's just it's just sad. It's just sad that this is the way that it went out. That's all. Uh, Martin, did you have anything uh, to add about the ECW on Sci-Fi? Uh, on the the first episode because i think i'll save my feelings overall for the end of the next episode because i think the end of december to dismember plays exactly into my feelings of ecw or wwe ecw as a whole but the with the the sci-fi premiere i like with jason i i watched it um it's all of the promise from one night stand drains away the longer that show goes on and it's you kind of realize ecw isn't a good fit for 2006 wwe um it was a it was a nice idea it was a brave attempt but it's it's clear that the the two brands weren't interchangeable um which is a shame um, I mean, the show does have its moments. I'm currently listening to a, a UK-based podcast over here called Weird Science, who the, the, the poor fools who host that are going through every single episode of WWE CW from the beginning. Oh, yeah. God bless them. Oh, and they've, had, no. they've had to endure Macho Libre, the zombie. Their show, once you've finished all of ours, Go and check out theirs out. It's called Weird Science, and it's, it's great because they have some of the worst of the worst to deal with, and they really do take it in good cheer because it's 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 grim viewing the uh, the thing. Eventually, it becomes quite good, and I'll talk about that, you know, sort of the end when it becomes proto proto NXT. But yeah, it's 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 rather sad for as good as One Night Stand or Six as ending was. The beginning of WWE CW is is kind of tragic. Yeah, hard to believe that the company continues to go after December to dismember for as long as it does. Yeah, mm. it is. It is. Yeah, you know? it is wild. Yeah, because it was on for at least a few more years after that. Two thousand ten, and so yeah, like it's that's crazy. Charlie, how do we do with the numbers on this? Um, we did really, we did really well. Uh, it's. I'm trying to hold on just a second. Let me. I'm gonna look at one night stands. We yeah we have it almost as up to one night stand oh five and me personally I I really I really like this show I really do 
I think it's almost as good as 2005. And I think it would have been better had Rob Van Dam won that match clean. But that's just me. I, so I'm still a fan of these two shows. Now, One Night Stand 2007, which we're not covering, is an absolute bag of dog shit. And uh, as you can probably tell from Bobby Lashley being on the front cover. But, <laughs> it, um, it, it does give us Vince McMahon ECW champion. Yeah, we get new. We get new Mac. <laughs> new <do>. Mac. <laughs> yeah, uh, unfortunately, we're not covering that. So let's look at the ratings here. Um, I so I have it rated at the highest at a six point four two. Will, you're at the lowest with a five point seven one. Jason and Martin very close. Jason six point oh seven. Martin six point one four. We give this show a six point zero nine. Cage match on uh, match at seven point five. Well, I mean, that's probably about what I'd give it, because uh, mm-hmm. this is, like I, like I always say, this is just match quality. Right, yeah. yeah. But it's a fun show. It's a lot of fun, man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That tag match alone is worth the price. It really is, and I mean, it's hard to, to say that about a Tommy Dreamer match after all this time. But it's right. fucking well, good. He went on on a high note. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Well, so that leaves us a real awesome show to follow this up with, and that's December Dismember uh, 2006. It'll be the only one, so it's the only December to dismember. They dismembered all of it. There's no more left of they it. They dismember all of it. Yeah. <laughs> so we'll be talking about that. Episode 99, it'll be the uh, well, the last of the WWE incarnation of the ECW before we round out episode 100 with Hardcore Justice, which will be a wild time. So we'll be back. That reminds me. Mm. Will, did you did the the did the, uh, did the download go through? Okay, still got to I still got to download. I'm sorry, I still got to download it. Okay, it's yeah, and we got to we got to send those out to you guys too. Yeah, it's <laughs> yeah, it's it's ready. Yeah, yeah so I still got to download it. So cool. We can watch it next week. Yes, and- yes. Get us those completely legit DVDs in <laughs> case Absolutely. in case someone's lawyers I are listening. Su- I support <laughs> yeah. total nonstop action. <laughs> well, too bad <laughs> they're, they're not around anymore. Yes, they will always be TNA. I don't care what they call it. <laughs> the, uh, the podcast, of course, we're part of the Questionable Endeavor Network and 4CR Radio. We're also on Facebook, New Blood Rising Podcast. We're on Twitter, at New Blood Pod. I'm on Twitter, at William Rankin 83 I'm at the Jason Kiesler. I'm at CM underscore Stabs. And I'm at Bunny Suicida. And we'll see you all for episode 99, December to Dismember 2006. I remember black skies lightning all around me I remembered each flash as time began to burn Like a startling sign that fate had finally found me And your voice was all I